This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. We're back, uh, back from the bye week. Hello, everybody. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is your program of choice. Thanks for making that decision. Three-hour edition here, as we do every Monday. Season's greetings. As uh, our crack staff has uh, decorated the studio expertly for the holidays. Look at this. We're twinkling, Steve. Our MSG viewers. We're, like, cutting edge here. This is... Well, that might be a little strong, but yeah, I'm, the wreath still looks crooked to me. Well, we we I'm worked gonna, on that I'm for gonna, some time. I'm gonna see if but I can you know fix what? In the next break, we're all. I don't know if all of us are are level we to begin had, with. We <laughs> had <laughs> Brownie and I get back together this morning after a long extended week, and we were off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We got back today, of course, and it's noon noon to three today. And we so we said, you know, how was your weekend? How was my weekend? We had vastly different weekends. Uh, so Brownie comes in. <clears throat> he had you'd, he had spent the weekend in New York, right, in the city. Yeah. Visiting his daughter, hobnobbing around the center of civilization, New York City as we sure. know it. And it's pouring rainstorm. And you, right? It rained two of the four days I was there. All day. Like all day. What happens in New York when things rain? Everything comes to a screeching halt. Oh, it's- it is unbelievable how <laughs> dysfunctional it becomes just from rain. Like, you think about... Not snow, you think not about, wind, none of that you stuff. Think about, just rain. You think about what this area is capable of in a major snowstorm. And then you see what happens when it just rains in Manhattan. It is mind-blowing how stuff just suddenly cannot <laughs> operate do as normal. Whether you got subways flooded, lines are cut off, it's just... It's, I don't know. It's just everything's, even my wife said it, everything feels dirtier. Like, it's just the whole thing. And this is why, this is why New York is a place to visit, but you don't want to live there. Prowney was just just a bitter camper. In New York, he was just... Oh, it's exhausting. So here I am. The only reason we're there is, like, the main reason is to visit our daughter and just, you know... Check in with her right before finals, all right, that stuff, right. and kind of hang out a little bit. <laughs> See you in a couple of weeks after finals are over, that whole thing. And that was great. That part was great. Yeah. You know, watched it, got a holiday show in at Radio City. That was fun. Enjoyed that. But uh, there's so there is something about that city, man. Whew. So Brownie comes back. He's bitter about his trip to New York City because it kind of got well, rained out. Yeah, and got, it was the weather like, was eh, terrible. You know. So here I am. My <clears throat> poor wife was under the weather for a little bit. I too was out in the rain for a couple of days. I was in the Adirondack Mountains with um, my four sons and I. Have a yearly winter camping. This you know the bye weekend turned out to be a good weekend. Usually we go in January, February when it's you know different um but it was usually in february after the football season's uh-huh. over so we went this time because it was the bills bye week and it fit with all the other guys so me my four sons were in a lean-to in the adirondack mountains porn rain uh not porn rain but it was wet steady all all we, <laughs> we had we had a great time we really did. Good for you. It was great, and uh, so I'm in a lean, I'm in a lean to a camp chair, sitting back, reclining, smoking a fat 
cigar. With, I'm going to have a question on that. But we had a, and I was eating, and we hauled in sirloin steaks. I mean, we had a great. It was it was a full day. It was a day in, having a day, and then a half a day, and we were out. And in that, actually, it was the exact same snowstorm, the rainstorm that you were in in New York yeah. City. Brownie all bitter in the center of civilization. I was in the middle of absolute nowhere. No cell, nothing. Four-mile hike in. And I, yeah. we were having the time of our lives. It was quite the contrast. Question for you. How do cigars hold up in that weather? Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's what you do. I just, I'm worried I, about I your some, cigar getting wet. I, this is oh, my question. Here's here. the thing. So there's five of us. Because a wet cigar is not good. Sure. Oh, abs- you're right. You can't get your cigar wet. Yeah. Everything's so what is the, and everything's the, wet. What is the plan there when the weather you know is as a, it is? Do you know what a Nalgene bottle is? I do not. All right. It's a, it's a 32-ounce plastic bottle that you use to put water. It's not like a canteen. It's, it's a modern-day okay. canteen. All right. And it has a big wide mouth top with the tops attached, but you unscrew it, and okay. it's just like that. Seven 60-ring-gauge cigars will fit, fit inside in that. that. And it's airtight. And you can also have room for a, a humidor pouch that you can throw in there as okay. well. So you're not tighten it up. around here. And it's, and it's impervious. I mean, you'd, it'd take a sledgehammer to break the thing. It's pla- hard plastic. Yeah. And you, you know, just put those in there, stick them in the pack, and presto change right. And then we also had tins, you know, brand new tins of smaller cigars. I'm that familiar were with those. Wrapped in plastic. So okay. you keep those in those and you can hold them. And for those who partake of a smaller, less and then formidable once, cigar. Once you're already puffing, even if it's drizzling, are you trying to stay undercover so it doesn't get wet while you're enjoying Some, it? Some. I, I mean, I I had one on the hike in and it rained a little bit then, but it really never like opened up and poured on us. Although, it, you know, it's almost such a light mist that mm-hmm. you couldn't even hear it hitting your your shell, your plastic shell, you know, your. So it was in a little bit of that. Sometimes yeah. the only way you could tell it was raining is if you look at the water and you could see the drops hitting the water because yeah. you couldn't feel it. I gotta so, say, Steve, like soaking based on, wet, though. based on your experience, you've you've made me feel less of myself because you know now I feel, I feel, I feel horrible that I uh, was complaining. Oh my gosh! All. You're walking through the streets of New York City, going to shows, going to dinners. Went to and one stuff, show. It was and good. You're, and you did a little shopping with my daughter for yeah. Christmas. That was good. So you're like got something for my son. Right, so and come on, man, it's just rain. Yeah, just puts a damper on stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm I don't like rain. I would rather have snow than rain. Yeah, all right. You know, so I guess I'm in the right city for that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. Know. Saw some friends, did some things. It was good. I think it was, it was good bottom, to get away. The bottom line for all that is, we got a big fat reset. And we're like jumping back yeah. in with both feet into the hit the reset button. There's a, in the final in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the final of the five armies or whatever. Uh, the Return of the King, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the Gandalf says, saga, but yeah. it's the deep breath before the plunge. As they're about, they're waiting for this battle to begin. Oh, okay. It's the deep breath before the plunge. That's what this last weekend was. Our okay. deep breath before this final five. Let's plunge. Let's go. Yeah. So that's where we're at. There uh, are items to get to, not only bills related, but around the NFL as well. So we'll go around the NFL first, which is brought to you, as you know. By Kaleida Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. And the good news, Steve, is the Bills got a little help 
in the AFC conference based on some results. If you've been following on, on buffalobills.com, we have an installment every week who to root for, you know, outside of whoever the Bills may or may not be playing. Obviously, this week they were playing no one. Got what we wanted with respect to the Texans-Broncos game. Texans beat the Broncos, which now puts Denver even with Buffalo in terms of one loss record. The Bills would have to finish a game clear of Denver at the end of the season Mm -hmm. to take a wild-card berth over them, as we know, due to the head-to-head loss a few weeks ago. The Browns and Steelers, Steve, both lost. To the Rams mm-hmm. and Cardinals, dropping both of them to 7-5. and five. So they're now just a game up on Buffalo. I will tell you, both teams have superior conference records at 5-3. and three. The Bills are 3-5 and five in the conference, as you know. Bad news, Dolphins and Colts both won to improve to 9-3 and three and 7-5, and five, respectively. And, as, we, as prob- I'm presuming most of us watched last night, the Chiefs lost to Green Bay. 27-19 on Sunday Night Football. They also lost a couple of players to injury on their defensive unit. Starting middle linebacker Drew Tranquil sustained a concussion, so he's going to be in the protocol this week, something to keep an eye on there. And it's unclear if the guy Drew Tranquil replaced in the lineup, Nick Bolton, their true starting middle linebacker, will be ready to return from injury this week. He has been out the last six weeks after suffering a wrist injury that required surgery, something that we saw happen to the Bills' Dawson Knox. So he began, Bolton began practicing last week, but the general reporting on this subject is he could miss another game or two, including this week's game against the Bills. Also, they're starting free safety. Brian Cook got carted off yesterday with a lower leg injury. However, this morning it's been reported by you know the Jeremy Fowler and Tom Pelissero types from NFL Network and ESPN that his x-rays were negative. It was feared he had a broken ankle, but that apparently is not the case, so we're going to have to keep an eye on his situation as we get further and further into this week as well. As we know, Bill's injuries to be mindful of, Steve. Taylor Rapp, who missed last week's game with a neck injury. Right. Dane Jackson, who was still in concussion protocol, did not play against the Eagles. And then, Steve, there's another interesting development at in the secondary cornerback Kai ear Elam is now eligible to return from injured reserve. He's been out the necessary four games. He was placed on IR back on November 2nd. The question that we would expect Sean McDermott to be asked on Wednesday, there is no media availability today. We expect he'll presumably be asked on Wednesday, whether Kai ear Elam with the ankle injury is fit to return from IR. Um, they could certainly use some help on the back end with as beat up as they have been over the last several weeks. So something to keep an eye on as we move into Wednesday and Thursday here on game week, as the bills get back to their schedule here in week 14, um, other developments around the league. How about those Patriots, Steve? Oof. They start Bailey Zappi and they post a goose egg. For points scored and lose 6 nothing, they have now lost three consecutive games in which they have held their opponents to 10 points or less. They've lost all three of those games. If they can manage to lose another game this week, 
while allowing their opponent to score 10 points or less. They will tie the record set by, I believe, the 1938 Chicago Cardinals, who lost four straight while giving up 10 points or less. Um, It's a dubious record to match. It's amazing to me that the Patriots can be so good on one side of the ball and so horrific on the other, particularly in their building. Um, the, The Chargers have got a really good offense. The Patriots have got nothing offensively going at all. And I don't know that it's all Bailey Zappi or Mac Jones. Uh, some of it's the offensive line, uh, certainly. It's a bad roster. It's Yes, it's a bad roster, and they got no answers. But there's still no excuse for the Chargers putting up six points. I don't know what the – maybe the weather conditions had something to do with it. But I'm – you know, and I, I don't – you know, the, it, it was horrible. And they're going to be in the running. Now they are in neck in a neck-and-neck neck race. For the top pick in the draft. For the, the Bear, with, with the, the Carolina Bears. Panthers. And the Bears are in the hunt, too, there. That's right. And the uh, Carolinas, let's see here. They are 1-9, and nine, I believe, Carolina is. Uh-huh. And, you know, so it – I mean, that's how bad it is over there. They're, they're – Two and ten, two games behind the fifteenth place Tennessee Titans and the Jets at four and eight, and they've got, and they're a game ahead of Arizona at three and ten in the West and Carolina over the NFC. So they're yeah. they're in for the number two pick of the draft right now. <clears throat> Jets lost again. Just wrapping up the AFC East here. Mm. Jets lost again. What was it? Thirteen to eight, I think, was mm. the final, or thirteen? Yeah, thirteen to eight because they got a safety. Got a safety. For their first two points of the game. Um, so and their offense manages six points. They are, and let me just say this I was on record, and, and there's I'll, a safety. And I will go on record again as saying it <clears throat> don't for a moment believe that Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and take a single well, solitary snap. It's interesting that you say that, Steve, because the reports out now are that Aaron Rodgers is unlikely to play for the Jets this season. No duh. Despite his return to practice. No duh. Like what there is no intrinsic value to rushing him back on the field to play for a team that is not going to be in the postseason. Yeah, he's yeah. so uh, having said that that little blip on the radar has subsequently gone off the radar. Yeah. Dolphins manhandled the Commanders 45-15 in Washington. I don't think that's any, any surprise. Washington's going nowhere fast. Ron Rivera is going to coach out the string and probably be relieved of his duties at the end of the year. Um, you know, Washington traded away their two best pass rushers at the deadline, and they haven't been the same team since. And I don't know that any of us are surprised, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. No, I mean the only team Washington plays tough is Dallas. They've got kryptonite for Dallas, right? Well, it's uh, or no, it's Philly. Philly they play tough. Yeah, they well, play Philly tough. Not Dallas. Philly uh, got their heads handed to them last night by San Francisco. Woo! Did they? I yeah, and the Bills fans got to be forty two to nineteen. The Bills fans got to be sitting there going, why not? Why not us? What What is the deal? And you know, you and it's a legitimate question. The Bills are oh, don't. I don't want to go down that road. Again. Right. Um, I'm moving on. You got to you, you got to win those games. You, those are games that are like frustratingly. I don't want to get to the end of indicated. the season and 
have to look back at games that they just frittered away. I don't yeah. want to do that. <clears throat> so I'm looking forward. I'm looking to winning football. Let's go. Over the last five weeks of the season. But we do have to take a look at week 13, in which the Bills were on the bye. And as we mentioned, we saw the Chiefs drop a, what was that, a, an eight-point decision to the Packers at Lambeau in Green Bay. So if you watched the Sunday night game and you took it in, you wanted to kind of get an early scouting report on the Chiefs, what kind of Chiefs team are you expecting for the Bills this Sunday? That is the topic of discussion for you at 803-0550, the number to get on board, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. This week's game against the Chiefs, sponsored by Gabe's Collision. Get back in the game with Gabe's Collision, locally owned and operated since 1964, featuring three convenient locations. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't terribly impressed with the Chiefs last night. I was watching that game on the plane, flying back here. Got delayed. Shocking. Love you. Love that JFK airport, Steve. I'm telling you. <laughs> I had to get, I jumped on another flight. <laughs> I had to jump on another flight. Steve, it was a mad dash, man. So my flight is the earlier flight. I just, I am absolutely loving the bitterness with which your trip my just flight, seemed to take at every So turn. my flight is the earlier flight back to Buffalo. Okay. I get delayed four times. I get four separate emails about delays or alerts. So you what can it? see the writings on the wall. So now Literally. my flight is leaving later than the later flight. And so I see that the later flight, the plane has come in. I'm tracking mine. It hasn't left D.C., which is where it's coming from. So, so now it's go time. Right. So I run to the other gate to say, hey – do you have any empty seats on this plane for me to take this flight now that mine is leaving later? Right. So the guy says to me, he goes, there's 11 empty seats, but you got to go down to the desk at the end of the terminal. They can't help me there. So now, that's Steve, bunk. the race is on. Right. So now I'm racing people to the help desk. To make sure my wife and I have two of the 11 seats that are <laughs> remaining. So here's the best part. I'm second in line. Okay. Second in line. And the first person in line is a party of 11, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That would have been great. Oh. That would have been great. Yes, hi. I'm, the, co I'm the coach of the basketball one team. One of you. Yeah. One of you gets Oh, well, you know who would have got that yeah. seat. But oh, anyway. awesome. So I am second in line. <laughs> the guy in front of me is trying to get on that plane, too, but he's right. one guy. So right. I was like, okay, I got 10 seats. Yeah. So I'm waiting to get called up. Lady calls me up. Steve, this is, this is the luck that Chris Brown typically has, okay? So first of all, I'm second. So I'm like, wow, this is unusual. Like, I usually yeah, yeah. don't have this kind. So my hustle has put me in position to be second in line with approximately 10 seats left on the plane. I get up there, and the woman who is helping me Brand new. Oh, no. Brand new. So I'm giving her my information. Here are our boarding passes. I got my wife's boarding pass on my phone. I got a paper boarding pass for me so I can show her both at the same time. Do you have any bags? No. No bags. We're good. Right. We're good. 
Here, here's our stuff. Just please get me two seats on this plane. <laughs> She's going through it, and I can just tell. It's not going by the look on her face. She doesn't know what she's there, doing. There's a problem. She has no idea what so, she's doing. Oh, my gosh. There is, a, there is a woman next to her, and she is currently not helping anybody for whatever reason. We see right. this all the time, right? These desks, they got six people. Right, 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 Only right. three people are working. Right. So um, she then leans over to that woman and says, uh, can you help me with this? Now I'm sweating. Now I'm sweating because I'm looking. The, the person behind me has now gone up to the desk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, and the next person is Now coming, there's eight. And now I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just watching <clears throat> seats in my brain disappear on this plane. So I look to the lady because the lady's like, oh, I don't know if I can help you. I got to take care of this Mosaic customer. I look at her with the saddest puppy dog eyes I can come up with. And I say, ma'am. Two seconds. I It'll said, take two seconds. Seats are disappearing on this flight right now do you think you might be able to just give her some assistance to help me and my wife? You know? So she kind of, she does the half eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> comes over and she's showing, she's showing her, you know, like a good trainer <clears throat> would yeah, do. Yeah, like, yeah. like Coaching I, her up. Like, look, I appreciate you showing her what's going on here. But hurry up. But we really need to, <laughs> really need to punch these in. So it is the longest four minutes of my life oh. in a long time. And oh. this is the best part. She's still, after the lady has assisted her, she's still fumbling through the thing. And she's like, ah, I can't, I can't get these seats assigned. And then wisely, she gave up on assigning us seats and just, but she's not telling, she's not updating me. Right. Like, I got you on the plane. You're good to go. Not nothing. I'm getting nothing. Just a blank stare at a screen. And then she finally is printing stuff out. And I say to her, I said, oh, oh, are we good? She goes, oh, you're on the plane. I just didn't get your seats yet. You can do that at the gate with the gate agent. Okay. Thank, th- thank you. Like, no communication. <laughs> Dude, I was sweating by the time it was done. Pure stress. Or maybe from the run down the terminal to get to the desk. Oh, my gosh. But, oh, my gosh, we got on the dang plane. That, you know, uh, I'll tell you the truth. It's, you know, you, I spent my – And then we sat on the tarmac for I spent for 21 years. I spent 21 years doing that every yeah. weekend, right, in the fall. With, I think you know, it's as bad around. as it's ever been, though. Now. Yeah, it is. It's worse. And we used to have a, a – not that I, you know, I get you. You're exactly right. That's exactly how it goes in airports. We used to have a fine system on our on our CBS crew. You're not allowed to tell your travel story, yeah. Because once you do, everybody's got one that tops it, yeah. And I don't care if it's and trains, planes, and automobile. It's like, oh yeah, listen to this. I spent a night in a third city because my flight got fogged out of the city I was going to. We went to like, I ended up in Albany because we flew over this. I could see the city, the great, but you look down, there's a little patch of fog. Where do you think the patch of fog was? Right over the airport. Yeah. We started to come so you down. Can't land. Can't land. Tried it twice. Couldn't land. Running out of fuel. You know what? <clears throat> We're going to spend the night in Albany. <laughs> yeah. So we instituted. I did a, have. I did oh. have a travel weekend. Yeah. In which, on the checklist of things that could go wrong, they all did. Yeah. I went from <laughs> lost luggage, Oof. missed connection, mm. canceled flight. Overnight in hotel, arrive home two days later. All in one round trip. And that was just to go to Indy. 
Happened to me too. <laughs> it's unbelievable. To me too. If you travel long enough, it will happen to you. Yeah, that's just, just the way it is, and it's worse. Uh, so anyway, yeah, but so we're back, way. and we're looking forward. I <clears throat> this weekend of games, which obviously I had to, to catch up on as we as we kind of went along, and I heard this on the radio. And, and then on social media, it was mentioned as well. All right. I'm listening. So I'm sitting there, and apparently in the San Francisco-Philadelphia game, dude comes off the sidelines in the Philly, on the Philly sidelines and starts Oh, the security the, guard. The security guy. He's like Nick Sirianni's protector. Yeah. Personal protector. And, and he comes on as if Nick Sirianni is in this. And I'm thinking, I'm picturing this thing like, holy, what happened, man? This yeah. Is, and I didn't see it live either. It was, it's nothing. Um, and certainly, you know. It was like Greenlaw. Half a face wash. Yeah, Greenlaw. Just, Jay Greenlaw, yeah. Yeah, get, you know, just. Niners line. Gives the guy some, like, looks like he's giving him smelling salts and stuff. So, yeah, it's this big. Ju- I'm wash. thinking this was like a melee. And I'm like, going, oh, come on, man. I, this Paint the picture for me. It was not. The and the Greenlaw got, got tossed. Greenlaw got tossed. So did the security guy. So did the guy. security guy. That's a win for the Eagles. It, right? Yeah. See, oh, we to can't me, have our security guy on the sideline. Oh, all right. So your commissioner, Chris Brown of the NFL, congratulations oh, on yeah. the promotion, your $25 million salary. What do you do with this guy, Dom, whatever his name is? You, don't you have to call the Eagles and say, hey, I'm pretty sure Dom is not going to be on the sidelines anymore, right? Yeah, I. Because that is, I think I would first ask, what is his game day function? Well, he's he's everybody has one. I, I but I, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, there's what a guy that game stands day next to he he leaves the coach alone, but he comes out with a coach, stands nearby on the in the bench area, has full access to the bench area, and uh, then he wasn't the, in the bench area. Then at the end of the he game, he was right on the sideline, dude. That's what I'm saying. Well, mm-hmm. it was bench area sideline. I know. Anyway. Does he really need to be right up there on the sideline? Close to the end of the game. They kind of snuggle up to the coach, you know, into the half, into the game, and then they escort him off. That's it. Then they're, like, unseen, unheard. So I'm – this guy – I'm – as your – if I'm a commissioner, this this comes down really hard on that guy. You think so? you you through this got a guy on their team. Eject. What if he gets like Pat Mahomes comes up and and slaps him? Pat Mahomes out of the game. You're and you lose Ma Kettle off the sidelines. You lose Phyllis. You, let me just another another. You lose Phyllis. Your team loses Phyllis Diller and they lose Miss Universe. Right? You move. You lose like Roseanne. They lose Roseanne. Your team loses Roseanne Barr and you know. You lo- they lose. Oh my god! You know, they lose Angelina Jolie. Right? Okay. You, it's no comparison who they lose. You lose like Thor, and they lose like George Costanza. <laughs> That's the idea. You <laughs> well, can't. You can't let that go. You that guy's got to be persona non grata forever. Now. I think you got to get to the bottom of who instigated that. I mean, oh, you was can it clear see, on the video. It, like it doesn't to me. That's irrelevant. Oh, it that is. is irrelevant. I don't care how, who, what. If what Drake Greenlaw we, is talking trash and then does the face wash first. It looked like he no, kind of reached out first. Did that he not? guy, this guy stepped in. Greenlaw and the guy step out of the on the sidelines. Right, little 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 play at the halftime. Guy gets thrown out, uh, throw him out of bounds, and then the guy he starts he starts right in. He's stepping in. Oh, yeah, he he's can't got do that. no business. He can't do that. No business doing that. He's got no business doing that. And that's. That's where the problem is. 
He doesn't get to. He doesn't. He, he's, he's. Yeah, that's a no no. Absolute no no. Yeah, he can't be in, an absolute no no. And that to me is his last time he should be on the sidelines. Can't insert himself. And that's just the way it goes. I mean, that was that was not an egregious play. And the security guy steps right in and starts talking, talking to the 49er guy like a fan. You cannot be fanboy on the sidelines. Yeah, that's true. That's that's to me is the final thing. You can't yeah. do it. You can't do it. And I, Greenlaw reaches out and says, "Hey, what are you doing here?" Like he knows the guy's a, a a bum, and not that the guy's a bum. He's probably great at his job, and everybody probably loves the guy. He's probably part of the family over there. I get it, but that's it, man. He he's got to go away. If I'm if Chris Brown, Commissioner Chris Brown, I put it to you. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think he can't be that close to the game field, and he can't be inserting himself in the game. That's for I don't sure. care how close he is. He can't step in on any altercation at all, period, end of, end of sentence. That's a no-no. That's yeah. players, officials, and full members, maybe, and head coaches. Yeah. That's it. That's a. It is a fine. It's a. And I. That's why the league has always been extremely, extremely sensitive to who is on the NFL sideline. And some games you see it. There's a ton of people there. I get it, and all of that stuff. But this is why. I mean, I used to get called in. Guys would come up and say, "Hey, what? What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm sidelines for Westwood One, or I'm whatever." They, they there's people up there with binocs observers who look at every single individual on the sidelines of an NFL game and they say, hey, he's got to leave. Hey, that guy, he's out. His, what's his security? What's his cl- he's out. They throw people off there all the time. Because, you know, everybody wants to go down on the sidelines and watch a game. They don't let it happen. And so this incident, and I thought, it, it sounded on the radio like, man, oh, man, I thought, I thought it was going to be awesome to see. And, like, and I was like, oh, that's no fun. I wanted some, you know, I wanted some fisticuffs, you know. And so now this guy, Dom, is, you know. I'm telling you, if the Eagles won the game, that guy would have been a cult hero for 15 minutes. Would he not? Well, if they yeah. won the game. That's, that's if they win it. that game, everybody's talking about Dom the security guy the next day. Yeah, and I'll say this. Greenlaw didn't really swing at him. He stuck his fingers up in the guy's nose like smelling salts. That's kind of a thing, right? Like a, and he got, a, he got ejected for it, and I thought, it's, I didn't think that was egregious. But this guy, the, the big dude, Dom, I'm sorry, bro. You don't do that. Hmm. You're not welcome to that party. You know? He got a player ejected on the other team because he stepped in. Right. I realize the league's not happy with and that. It the was Eagles a, are pretty stoked, though. And it was a bad call to begin with. That See, you got to send a clear message. Be interesting to, to me. see what the league decides this week for sure. That guy will never be on the sidelines for the Philadelphia Eagles again ever, period. If he's down there, oh, you're you getting he fined. gets banned. Uh, I, he can't he can work for the team, but he's not a sideline employee anymore on game day. And I'll and I, that's got to happen. Be, oh, wow. That's okay. got to happen. I mean, you can't let some jamoke Well, I'm just thinking Cuz like, then you hire a thinking, guy to do it. Well, no, I was thinking like suspension. But yeah, the precedent has been set, and you can't have it again. You, yeah, as a league, yeah, that's done. I get it. You know, I, mean, I get could, it. If you you hire, that could be 
you four, the four bottom guys on your assistant coaching thing, that's all they do is instigate, try and get somebody swing on them. Let's get this guy, this guy, and, and focus, on, focus on 15 of Kansas City. See if you can instigate with him. Start in the pregame. Start chirping at him in the pregame. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, you're, hey, Trash Talker 1, talk to Trash Talker 2. See what you guys can do as a tag team together. Yeah. See if you can get him. Just get him and make sure one of you, when he's about to swing oh, on you, boy. the other one hollers at the fish. Go, hey, ref. So the ref swings his eyes towards you and catches it right as he's throwing mm. it's it's i like the orchestration you're coming up with here steve it's pretty impressive dude, they've got an entire language for this stuff <laughs> for, for calling plays All and right. stuff they would have the same kind we of gotta, language for yeah. for getting a guy tossed i'm telling you we got to take a break here but we're wide open for your phone calls at 803-0550 1-888-550-2550 got open lines for you what kind of chiefs team are you expecting for the bills this sunday after watching them lose to the Packers on Sunday Night Football at Lambeau. Taking your phone calls next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Fans can purchase a Total Sports Enterprises mystery box, which will contain... Two authentic team-issued practice jerseys for just $99. You're guaranteed to receive two different practice jerseys with each mystery box purchase. Visit tsebuffalo.com to see the list of players. Proceeds to benefit the Buffalo Bills Foundation. Got to get to the phones, though, at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. Trying to find out from you what kind of Chiefs team you're expecting for the Bills this Sunday after Kansas City's performance Sunday night in a loss at Green Bay. Leading us off today is Joe in Williamsville. What do you got for us, Joe? Hey, Chris and Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, while I was waiting for you guys, one thing that cropped up, uh, the, the uh, Buffalo Bills versus the Charger game is supposed to be televised on peacock is that going to be televised locally do you know uh if you're in the buffalo yeah. area yes by rule it has to be televised on a local network for the home team market well that's good yeah. that's good uh now the, what i wanted to ask steve uh, real quick was uh this uh, uh quarterback sneak that philadelphia runs they they call it the tush push why are they so su- successful easy for me to say and uh, other teams, you know, they don't seem to be as successful. Is it because of the offensive line? Is that uh, massive for Philadelphia? Um, it's it's they run it really well. Um, they they've got some stuff they do. Um, they've probably got some things they think are secret. You know, things like probably the most uh, one that's most important to me in my eyes is probably the snap count. They all go at the same time. So whatever the center is doing or the quarterback is doing, that the signal that is that is uh, given to snap the ball is yeah. nonverbal, silent, but there's something going on where they can get off all at once, all at once, at the same time, you know, and get the jump on the defense. I will say this. It doesn't really um, – I don't think it's an illegal play or they should outlaw it or anything like that because there's a lot of sharp minds in the NFL who will attack it and – 
and formulate a plan against it, certainly. And when they start changing guys out, when their offensive line gets a little less and they start, you know, when they start being not successful with it, uh, do it'll go else. away. It'll do something else. So uh, there's a lot of sharp minds looking to find a way to get, you know, to defend it. And they will. And they will. Um, it's going to take yeah. some time, though. It's, it's like any other play that – it seems like a trick play or an unfair advantage, but it'll it'll circle back. I'm fully yeah. confident in the people that play defense in this league to come up with a, a way. Yeah. They figured out things like the wildcat and other stuff, and yeah, this is just the latest iteration of something that needs solving. And right, they'll undoubtedly come up with a suitable solution. Let's go to Keith in Holland next. What do you got for us, Keith? Well, uh, I went to school in the Adirondacks, and I'm just curious as to where Steve goes camping in the Adirondacks. The Adirondacks is a pretty big park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We go every, we go uh, a different place every year. We've been to Echo Lake, Puffer Pond, Pharaoh um, Lake, Indian Head. Um, Are those in the southern Adirondacks? I went to school up in Paul Smith years ago. Yeah, we it's somewhere around. You know, it's where Speculator. A little bit of old forge okay. in there. Um, yep, we were in, yep. we stayed the night before we went in. We stayed in North Creek, that kind of thing. I see. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad you're enjoying the Adirondacks. There's a lot to enjoy there. Oh yeah, it's great. We I had a better weekend in the wilderness in the rain than Brownie did in New York City in the rain. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, walking around with an umbrella, a small umbrella, wasn't as effective as I had hoped. You were out there in ponchos and. <laughs> Rain gear. We were out in it, Brownie. We yeah, were you in were in it. it. By Let's choice. Go. Let's go. By choice. <clears throat> and that right. will never be my choice, especially in the winter. <laughs> you want to get me up there in the summer, I'll do that. Get me on a boat, I'll be fishing as long as you want me to. Yeah. But, yeah, I am I am Thanks, getting Steve. a fully covered structure. You know, I'm not, especially in the winter, man. I cannot stand being cold. It's better. And, f- and wet. It's better for us when we're out there. It's better for us if it's like. 26 rather and than snow. 38. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I would take snow so this over was, rain any day the of weather the week. on our end of it couldn't have been worse unless it was raining harder than it was. Yeah. Um, but we had, yeah, we, we had a blast. That's all I can say. Let's go to John in Massachusetts next. What do you got for us, John? Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're hanging in there, man. Good, good. Uh, half day closer to uh, the weekend, so pretty good over <laughs> here. Um. I just wanted well, you, I wanted to answer your question about how are we feeling about the Chiefs. Uh, I kind of think you know they're going to come out, they're going to come out hot. You know, they're going to come out swinging. They just come off the loss, game back at Arrowhead, prime time, four thirty. So I'm expecting first half, you know, kind of everything they have. But I think the Bills prevail. I think we're, a, I think we're one of the best teams in the league, even though we're six and six. Um, and I think second half we kind of take the game over and uh, impose our will on them. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but get past this one and get on the right track uh, to hopefully playoffs. And um, I just my, my main point though was I just was watching these games yesterday, and I'm like, some of these teams are just not good. They're just like the Bills are just. So much. The Bills are so much better than every single wild card team there is right now, and I'm not afraid to play anybody in the AFC. I give me the Chiefs on the road. Give me the Ravens on the road. Give me the Finns on the road. 
if the Bills can, the only team that I'm afraid of the Bills beating is themselves. Uh, said it since 2019. I think the Bills are a great team. Uh, they just got to come and if they can give us the effort that they, I mean, obviously we lost against the Eagles, but give us that offensive effort. Give us the effort like we had against the Jets or early in the season. We all know the team that they can be. Be that, and I can't see anybody beating us. So, well, um, yeah. Thanks, John. Thank, appreciate it. And I would agree with all of what you said. They, I would put them ahead of all those teams in the wild card, and even some of the division leaders, no question. But you got to win games to do that. Yeah. You can't. You can't lose one score games time every other week and expect to be in that mix. You got to prove that you're a better team. And I agree with you. I think the Bills have got it in there somewhere to be the best team in the league, bar none. But they got to do it. They got to play like that. And they can't have 10 penalties in a first half. They can't turn the football over. They can't, uh, you know, give up the lead in the last minute and a half of the game to the other team to lose. Um, and you've got to put your foot on the gas. When, you know, when there is 20 seconds left in the first half and you got or in the game and you got a quarterback like Josh, you got to give him a chance. You can't not hit on every opportunity or at least take a swing at every opportunity and expect to be put in the same conversation with you know with the Chiefs Baltimore with Baltimore with uh, you name it with Kansas City Jacksonville uh, Miami even Pittsburgh Cleveland and Indianapolis teams who the Bills would in my opinion 8 or 9 times out of 10 wipe the floor with but you got to do it yeah, you can't keep saying you're one of the best teams in the conference when you're at 6-6 six and six and you haven't won back-to-back games since week four. Right. It, it's hard to justify that, and it's hard to support that. Now, everybody out there does that because you're Bills fans, and I get it, and you got to stick with your team through thick and thin. That's what loyalty is, especially for a fan base. But as Steve said, you got to do it, and you're out of time to wait to do it. It's got to happen now because yeah. you're out of wiggle room. You're out of any margin for error. So it's got to happen now, and hopefully it happens at Arrowhead on Sunday, which, as we all know, is easier said than done. Bills have done it before, but it's easier said than done, especially against an angry Chiefs team coming off a loss. Got to take a break here. More of your phone calls when we come back. We'll lead off with Mark and West Seneca when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Tickets, check. Face paint, check. Your favorite apple with the epic crunch, Snapdragon apples, are available. Now at Wegmans and other local retailers, fuel your day with Snapdragon apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. Taking your phone calls at 803-0550, the number to get on board. As we are asking you today, what kind of Chiefs team are you expecting for the Bills on Sunday after their eight-point loss at the hands of the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field on Sunday night football? 27-19 was the final. And i got to say, the thing that uh, impressed me the most about the Packers was the way in which they were able to stay a step ahead of Steve Spagnuolo and that Chiefs defense. Now, part of it might have been because they lost their starting middle linebacker a series and a half into the game. That might be part one. So now you're 
now the person with whom you're communicating on defense as the coordinator is no longer there that you set up the whole game plan for all week. So maybe that had a played a role in it. Hard sure. to say. Oh, absolutely. It's um, like it's like the Bills going without yeah. Milano and, and that but David Lafleur. The head coach of the Packers. I mean, he had an answer for just about everything, and for the most part, Jordan Love was it's Mike Lafleur, isn't it? Oh, it is. No, I think it is. It Dave or is it Mike? I always mix up the two brothers. Matt, I both. both I'm wrong. wrong on both. It's Matt Lafleur. It's Matt Lafleur. I knew it was aluminum. You knew I was wrong, <laughs> but you didn't get the right answer either. I can I can point God, the we finger as terrible. well as I know. We are uh, terrible with that. My apologies. To Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. I um, didn't. Yes, of course it is. Um, so I knew it wasn't. I, he did a great I knew job. It wasn't Dave. I, here I am trying to pay him a compliment. I can't even get his name right. I knew it was not Dave. Yeah. Um, no, whatever. What are you going to do? Or did I say Mike? Did no. I, what did, I said Mike. You said Mike. Okay. Well, we were both wrong. Yes, in, we were. Com- in any event, anyway, my point was. Good for him. I was impressed in the way he was able to stay a step ahead of Steve Spagnolo, who's, I think, still one of the better play callers on the defensive side of the ball in the league. And has had his his defense has played great this season. Yeah. So that was impressive, and I'm kind of hoping for the same coming off the bye week for the Bills. So we'll see what Joe Brady has up his sleeve to try to try to stay ahead of that Chiefs defense in a hostile environment. But yeah. in any event, we go to the phones, and as promised, to Mark in West Seneca next. What do you got for us, Mark? Here on One Bills Live. Hey guys, welcome back. You were missed. Um, uh, what I have, I think, as far as the KC game goes. Uh, they're not as impressive as they used to be, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to come down to the same thing when we play that team. Uh, if we can stop that battering ram running back that they have uh, and make Mahomes have to beat us through the air, which I know sounds crazy, um, we can do it. I, I really believe we can do that because I don't. The, their receiving core does not scare anybody other than Kelsey. Uh, they don't have anybody on that team that really scares anybody. So that being said... Um, the reason I called was, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I remember a time when assisting a runner was illegal. You weren't allowed to push him. You weren't allowed to pull him. You weren't allowed to do anything to assist the running back or you know a receiver who caught the ball and was running with it. And when, when about did they make that change in the rules? Because, I mean, the offense already has enough advantages and now they're giving them this advantage also yeah they don't i don't know when they amended the rule but they made it so that you could push your own runner forward but you cannot pull him forward. you still can't pull him you can't pull him forward but you can push him forward which means that back in the old days it means that all you you had to, to help him you had to be on side which means behind the football and they changed that uh a while ago and I don't know that it is ever not the case. Yeah, and it was done without much fanfare. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a <clears throat> a, I'm, a league story like, yeah. oh, my gosh, you can't. Right. You so can now push them now. It, it allows the offensive linemen. Here's the thing. They changed it in a couple of things. Offensive linemen can't come down. They wouldn't let offensive linemen come down and clean up the pile. Like catch guys standing around watching as the guy's going down, They instead of jumping on – these guys, defenders, are standing around, and before the play is over and the, yeah. before the whistle blows, these offensive linemen would come in and just clean those clocks. They would just knock guys out, you know, just, just to get some hits in and send a physical message. They would catch guys before the whistle blew and just blow them up. They stopped allowing them to do that. But they did say, well, listen, if these offensive linemen are going to help out, they can push their own guy forward, but they can't n- blow these defenders up who are just standing around waiting for the play to end. 
Uh, so all that kind of came around. Now it's in the mix where you see it now. Guys jump in, try and push the guy over the goal line, push him forward for a first down, push right. him forward on the tush push, all of that stuff. You see them taking advantage of it with their alignment on the, on the tush push and the quarterback sneak. All that stuff's part of the equation now. Chiefs and, were doing it last night with Pacheco. He got bottled right. up after he ran through the hole, got stopped at the second level, and the lineman just jumped on, and he kept pumping his legs, and he ends up turning a four-yard gain into an 11-yard carry set up first and goal. Right, and that's part of – it's part of the game these days. You gotta have a you gotta have a, yeah. a plan for that. And I'll say Pacheco is a guy that is very hard not to like. I mean, yeah. that guy runs like he's trying to put craters in the earth. Yes, he runs like he just got insulted. Yeah, he's got feet like jackhammers. Yeah, he is. He runs like he is fresh off a heater. Man, let's go. I'm. <laughs> yeah, he is mad. I love that. Yeah, it's a it's a great. It's a you gotta. Tip your hat to a guy yeah, like it's, that. He's a hard guy not to like, even yeah. if he's not on your team. Uh, we do have to take a break here, but hour number two will continue with your phone call. So if you're holding at 803-0550, stay right where you are. We will get to you as we are wide open in hour number two here on a Monday. What kind of Chiefs team are you expecting for the Bills this Sunday after watching them lose at Green Bay on Sunday night football? 803-0550, your phone calls next here on One Bills Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, back on a Monday, hour number two here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we're already discussing Bills Chiefs from this perspective. What kind of Chiefs team are you expecting for the Bills this Sunday after watching them lose to the Packers at Lambeau on Sunday Night Football? 803-0550, the number to get on board, one 888 the toll-free number, or you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Can go right to the phones, and we lead off with Mark in New Jersey. What do you got for us, Mark? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Sorry we couldn't have better weather for you down here, CB. Sun is out today, though. Isn't that the way it goes? <laughs> yeah, that's usually the way it works yeah. for me. Unfortunately, but yeah, Casey. Um, people said a lot about the Bills receiver uh, situation. They're relying on a rookie. And all Green Bay did is Kelsey beats us, he beats us, but none of these receivers are going to beat us. And they didn't. They, uh, Rice is okay, but he's not up to being a number one yet. Their next leading receiver has 22 catches. I think uh, Noah Gray is their third leading receiver. And then, you know, yeah. Pacheco had a nice game. But outside of that, they, they really can't muster up anything. Tony is – he's a head case. He's not able to, to take that step like they thought he would. Now on defense – they, when you said Spagnolo, he got he got beat by the when he decided the blitz and he likes to do that. Love and Lafleur had answers. I remember they let him overrun the one play to Do, uh, Dobbs deep and uh, Watson beat them several times. So they um, and they stayed balanced with Dylan. So I'd look for the Bills to do the same thing. Yeah, they could certainly go to school on what the Packers did, obviously with some tweaks of their own. So 
because you got to believe the Chiefs are going to be working all week to fix what hurt them last night. But yeah, I I certainly think the Chiefs are beatable. Um, well, it, yeah, this is a this is a matchup we've seen a bunch. Yeah, but it's different now. <clears throat> it I feel is like it's different. Their defense Let's, is better, but their offense has fallen off a bit. The Bills are kind of in that same boat. They're not. They're not. They're a six and six team. They're not this. Yeah. You know, so yeah, and you look down at you're right, um, you're right, Mark. That Kelsey's got 74 catches, then Rice has 52, then Pacheco has 33, then Noah Gray 22, and he's their Tony's second tight 22. End. Right, so it goes, it drops off significantly after you get past Rice and Kelsey, uh, and obviously Pacheco, who's on the field all the time. So um, you're right, but it's hard to take those guys away when the Chiefs really want to get them the football. You got to really commit to it and put some pressure on some guys in other other spots. So we'll see if the Bills can get it done. That uh, the, you know the Chiefs are still the Chiefs are kind of look where the Bills are now. The Chiefs, they ran off five wins or six wins early in the season, six and one. Now they've gone loss, win, loss, win, loss. Yeah, so they're kind of in that purgatory where the Bills have been living, going win, loss, win, loss, win. Um, and points have and been a problem. For points them. are a scoring problem. points. That, they didn't get to difference. twenty last night. That's the difference. They're playing more like a grinded out team rather than the Chiefs, you know, with that we've become accustomed yeah, to seeing the last seen four or five matchup. years. So it's it's going to be a different type of game, I think, than we've seen. Although it could still turn out to be thirty eight, thirty five. Right? Mean, who knows? So we'll we'll sit back and watch. But you're right. I you know, Gr- Noah Gray, Kadarius Tony. And more, uh, Sky more, Sky more. Uh, you know, they're just you know, those aren't the guys that you're worried about. The Chiefs using to beat you, but they still got Travis Kelsey, Rice, and Pacheco. I will say Kelsey. I'm sure he's any given week he can go off, but he doesn't look like the dominant force that he's been, and he's getting a little long in the tooth. He's 33, soon to be 34. So, yeah, well, yeah, and there's that. Coming off the Super Bowl stuff too. I mean, they're, this is a year after they kind of like, oh, we we did it fine. You know, yeah. less wow. Um, you uh, don't come two in, in the last the, three years or whatever. Yeah, it's it hard to go through the hard things in the season when you stay hungry. You stay hungry yeah. when you know you've just eaten at a buffet. Right. Let's go to Al in Clarence next. What's up, Al? Hey guys, how you doing today? Good, good. Just a couple quick points I wanted to bring up. Um, the officiating—it's gotten to be like. Last night's Chiefs game with the uh, pass interference that wasn't called at the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, it was awful. Not and that now I was you gambling and, you know, widespread gambling into it. I mean, there's just no consistency. And yeah. worse yet is there's no consistency at the end of the game. I mean, it seems like the rules and enforcement change within the last three, four minutes of the game. I mean, it's getting, you know, and that's pretty pathetic. Another point I wanted to bring up, being a season ticket holder, Unfortunately, a man got killed um, leaving the stadium. The lighting out there, I, I'm an older guy, and one thing that goes is your eyesight at night. And, you know, the, they need to really light up around the stadium and those streets a lot better. I leave the games early just to avoid the people, you know, because you've got people who are buzzed running in between cars and stuff like that. It's, it's turned into, you know, problematic where I'm considering giving up my season tickets. And last but not least, um, I see one team replace their field uh, so they wouldn't have as many injuries. I think it might be Denver, and it costs like a quarter of a million dollars. I'm wondering why other teams aren't replacing their their fields for that kind of price. I mean, that's 
it's not even a, a bonus for one of their players. So if uh could get your thoughts, I'd appreciate it. Yep. yep. <clears throat> Who is the Steelers? He said the Steelers are doing that? Broncos. The Broncos. Well, natural grass makes it possible. Um, Bills it, will have natural <clears throat> grass in their new stadium. It makes it possible. Some teams, um, the the problem obviously, particularly in a place like Denver, is two things, altitude and the cold. Yeah, the and growing season ends The growing early. season's over. Uh, you have a lot of teams in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has notoriously been ridiculed for the quality of their grass. Their grass late in the season. Because, because they have Pitt playing on it. They have high school championship teams playing yep. on it. And the field takes a pounding. And they'll bring in turf to, you know, new art, uh, grass turf. Yeah, and you know they make the, the sod. they get the turf. The sod is like six inches. Right? It's really heavy, and they do it, and it so that when it gets put down and packed in there, it's it kind of stays in shape, but it's soft and it's cruddy, and it, they have had real problems with that in the past. Yeah, and because of the traffic that field gets, it it's one of those times late in the season where, to me, I, I don't know if it, dangerous, maybe worse than artificial turf, absolutely. Um, but you got. But yeah. they don't want to make that change. It's so a, it's a tough balance to strike if you're in one of the northern cities as a homestanding football can, stadium because the growing season. And I've talked to groundskeepers, so yeah. I I feel like I know a little bit about this. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but talking to some groundskeepers over the years, including ones that have served here, the growing season kind of ends you know mid to late november the grass doesn't grow it kind of goes into hibernation and if you have a stadium that doesn't have a heated coil system underneath the field like a lot of the european soccer stadiums you can't trick the grass into continuing to grow because the ground is frozen yeah um that's the problem that a lot of these teams in the northern cities run into so turf becomes a better alternative because you can maintain it better and the integrity of the surface is maintained better. Now, the Bills' new stadium will have a grass surface, and it will have a heating, heated coil system underneath it to continue to allow the grass to grow. You lengthen the growing season because you have it heated from underneath, and the ground doesn't freeze, and the grass can continue to grow even if the air temperature is cold. So that's what European soccer teams do in their stadiums because they only play on grass, and hopefully – as new stadiums continue to pop up in the NFL, Nashville, Buffalo, some other cities, Chicago, eventually, um, they'll be able to put in those grass surfaces that can continue to grow grass even in the winter climbs. And I know that, you know, 250, 300 grand to change out a surface sounds, that's ah, chump change. Well, what happens when you got to do it five home games out of your last eight coming down the stretch? Yeah, because we've seen stadiums with grass before, they won't replace the whole thing in December, but they'll roll down a stretch in between the hash marks, which usually undergoes the most stringent traffic, foot traffic, right. in a game. Uh, they'll replace that strip right down the middle because it looks like a mud pit, uh, but they won't replace the whole field. But you still run into the same problem. That grass is only going to be good for a couple of weeks because that grass isn't growing either because the older stadiums don't have the heated coiling systems underneath surface to keep the grass growing so again as you get more and more newer stadiums into the rotation that problem will go away and you can maintain a grass surface better 
even in the later months of the season when you get into winter. Right. Let's get back to the phones and to Kevin in Daytona. What do you got for us, Kevin? Kevin, are you there? All right, I'll put Kevin on hold, see if we can check in with him in a minute here. We go to Jim in Hilton next. What do you got for us, Jim? Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, if I just want to make the general statements. If the Bills continue to play not to lose instead of playing to win, they will lose to the Chiefs. Even with the six losses this year, for me, the most frustrating game to watch this year was the home game against Tampa Bay. They were easily ahead in that game, and they would have lost in the whole, in the end in, with, with, if the holding penalties on the Hail Mary at the end of the game had been called. Well, twice I, in that game, yeah, twice in that game on the fourth down, once on Tampa Bay's 45 with one yard to go. And later with near near midfield with three yards to go, we pull that stupid play where we line up expecting the defense to, to go offside, but they're not going to because we always do the same thing. We just stand there. So we we have the best quarterback in the NFL. We need to trust him. Right. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, I, I get your point, Jim, and it's a valid one. Um, yeah, you, you do have one of the most productive and, quarterbacks in the league. He leads the league in touchdowns. He also leads the league in turnovers. But I yeah. think when the game is on the line, you have to trust that guy and give him the opportunity to go win the game for you. And Sean McDermott has done that in the past. I mean, he did it last year on Thanksgiving. There's 23 seconds left. They've got three timeouts and they've got the football in a 25-25 ball game. And he trusted his quarterback. And guess what? His quarterback helped him win the game. He ripped a pass over the middle to Stephon Diggs for 37 yards. They were in field goal range. They gained some more yardage after that. And Bass comes on and kicks a game-winning field goal. They win 28-25. So it's happened before. But to your point, Jim, it does have to happen now. Yeah, and and uh, you're right. Uh, you're not alone either, Jim. There's a lot of people that share your sentiments. I mean, in fact, you know, after every loss, no matter how it happens, there's always that vocal minority that says fire the head coach and that is where the, a lot of that voice comes from is from I, they don't think he's good in those moments they think he coaches not to lose rather than attack on either side of the ball uh, I think they're much different at the end of games and you can say what you want they've lost four leads in the last two minutes this season in, lo- in losses uh, with the other team scoring but they are much more aggressive than they have been in years past with Sean McDermott calling the defense. Um, I think also because of the injuries, this defense that Sean McDermott's coordinating is down personnel that they were not down in years past. And they're playing more aggressively, trying to help those guys rather than playing passive, uh, letting teams make plays on them. So there's a little bit of that in here too. But you're not alone in in the fact that we hear that refrain a lot, that you can't coach not to lose. You can't play not to lose. And – at times, in these one-score games that the Bills get into, you know, you got you, you come down to making these. It's it comes down to the specific plays, specific refs calls, specific formation, specific player, and that's you, you, the game teeters on it because right. they're so they're so close. But the guy who was Sean McDermott's mentor, Andy Reid, who he's facing this week in Kansas City, obviously right. was once asked 
you know, what is your approach when things look bad? And that's when Andy Reid gave the famous quote, when things are grim, be the grim reaper. And and Andy Reid has a history of that. Right. He goes for it on fourth down in the regular season. In the playoffs, he's even more aggressive. Right. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but his go-for-it type situations, fourth down, what have you, his percentages of going for it in the playoffs go up about 25 to 30%. Yeah, I think so. When, gotta... the, when, there's, when the stakes are even higher, Andy Reid gets more aggressive. Now, that's easy to do when you got Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback. But, but the point is well taken. And, and you've got a comparable one here in Buffalo. That's right. But I when mean, Andy Reid says, when things are grim, be the grim reaper, that's the way you got to live if you want to win the ultimate prize in this league. I agree. Totally. And uh, there's been instances, like, like, uh, like Jim said, that where you think, man, they're not doing that. And that's where, that's where the, the tension in how much you love the Bills and how they're playing and the losses they take and how, how gut-wrenching these losses are. All of them are like by one possession or less. And it's just you got to sit, you watch them do that every other week. It's, it's, tr- it's tough. Let's go to Joe in Akron next. What's up, Joe? Hey, guys. Happy holidays to you. Yeah, to you hey, listen, I got a little different approach here. You know, everybody's got injuries in the league right now. Everybody's running on reserves. And the parity in the league, there's teams coming out of the woodwork that we never expected to win. KC is a championship team. They will be ready for the Bills this weekend. You mark my words. They're going to pull out stuff this weekend the Bills aren't expecting. And the Bills better be ready. This game's going to be about coaching. It'll be about coaching 100%. Mark my words. And that's what I got to say. Happy holidays to you. All right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate the call and the opinions. Um, I would counter that by saying the Bills are the team that's been on the bye week. I'm hoping it's the Bills that have some things up their sleeves for Kansas City, right? Um, Sean McDermott is six and zero in his career after the bye as a head coach. Now, we should mention all six of those games were at home. Bills have never had a road game off a bye under Sean McDermott, but they are six and zero after the bye. See if they can make it seven and zero this week. We'll see. Uh, back to the phones, and we're going to go to Kevin in Florida. Here, what do you got, Kevin? I'm still here. I'm looking for answers on the push-push business here. Has anybody talked with any of the coaches of um, the the major uh, scrum teams? Who is that? That that, that rugby. The rugby guys. Does anybody don't don't they have clues on how to move huge people and huge? Well, Kevin, just let me let me stop you there. Yeah, there there's a lot of smart guys attacking this. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, what the rules allow and what they don't allow in the National Football League. Certainly the tush-push is this big controversial thing that people are trying to outlaw because they're so good at it. If it was that easy, every team would be doing it. They're not. You're going to have to come up with a way to defend it. Smart guys are going to do that. There's no reason for everybody to look to the sky and say the sky is falling because they've got a play that gets them two yards every time. It's not that big a deal. Certainly they use it to their advantage and it's weaponed, but Smart people are on it, and they're going to figure out a way against it. Plus, the Eagles are going to be able to do this. They've got a five-time All-Pro center who is smart and savvy, 
They just get some. They've got some advantages personnel wise and specifically to their team that nobody else can duplicate at the current moment. But let's just be real. I mean, it's very nice, good for them. It's fine. Don't panic that Philadelphia is forever in perpetuity going to be able to go first and nine instead of first and ten. So I I get it. It's it's a funky thing. It looks unfair when it works so easily, and it, and it always looks really easy. Believe me, those guys down inside don't think it's easy. Uh, but smart guys are going to come up with a plan, and that team is going to start to falter running it after they start switching out offensive linemen yeah. and centers and, and even their quarterback. So – you know, it's just like what if <clears throat> if the K gun no huddle offense was the elixir that did it all the time, every time people would, everywhere and everybody would be running it. People figured out how to counteract the forty six defense of the Chicago right. Bears in nineteen eighty five. By 1987, 88, yeah. people had answers for it. Right. Bill Walsh's West Coast offense. It took a while, probably almost a decade, but people came up with answers how to defend that. So it's it's a very cyclical league. Offense gets ahead with some kind of newfangled thing. Right. Defense catches up. And then sometimes defense comes up with a unique scheme that offenses have problems with, like the 46 defense of Buddy Ryan. It's, yeah. it's a cyclical league. Someone will come up with a way to stop that or effectively. They'll, or they'll, they will cease to be as effective with the guys they have, and, yeah. and the new guys won't be able to execute it Jason as well. Jason Kelsey's 36. Lane Johnson's 34. Maybe some of those yeah. guys age out, and they can't do it as well. And, you know, all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, you know, your quarterback gets a finger broken doing it, or he gets a, you know. Concussion. A concussion or something doing it, and. And they, they don't think it's worth the risk. So, um, because I'll say there's a there's probably some pretty solid reasons why other teams aren't trying it as often as the Philadelphia Eagles do it. Yeah. Got to be some reasons for that. I don't know what those are. I couldn't give you specific reasons, and they're probably different for teams subsequently down the line around the league. I mean, this team doesn't do it because they don't they think it puts their quarterback at risk, or this team doesn't do it because they don't ever go under center, that kind of thing, or whatever. Um, so the the tush, it's, it, I, I am I was frankly a little surprised at some of the major media members saying they got to outlaw this. Is a I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, they'll figure out. What it. are you doing? I know a solution will be devised a, by somebody somewhere. That's that's t ball. Yeah, come on. I mean, they defensive coordinators around this league have figured out a lot tougher problems than that. So I know it hasn't been solved in two years. It'll get fit. It, it'll get addressed. If it becomes enough of an issue for defenses, they will get it addressed somehow, some way. Let's go to Jeff in Depew next. What's up, Jeff? Hey, guys. I just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. To you as well. But I was watching the San Francisco-Philadelphia game, and I just want to say something to Coach Sean McDermott. See how you win a game? You don't lose a game. You win a game. You had the team won, and you're the defensive coordinator. You're the defensive coach. Learn to win. 0-6 doesn't do it. We're not going to run the table, newsflash. If it does happen, God bless you. But I just want to say it's not going to happen. Well, well, thanks for chiming in there, Dave, with your sunshiny Jeff, self, yeah. Jeff. I appreciate it. That, yeah, that's Jeff's opinion. He's entitled to it. Um, and, yeah, okay. He's saying 0-6. He's referencing the overtime mm-hmm. record uh, that the Bills have since 2018. 
I get it. It's frustrating. I've watched all of them, uh, been there for all of them. So, yeah, I, I get the frustration and the pessimism because, as we stated earlier, are the Bills capable of ripping off five wins in a row? Absolutely. they got the talent to do it. You know, they've got uh, smart enough minds in that, on that coaching staff to execute it as well or to draw it up anyway. Um, and they have the players to execute it. But it's hard to be optimistic when you have a team that hasn't won back-to-back games since week four. So it's time for the, for the team to turn it on here and restore some faith in their fan base because guys like Jeff and Depew aren't feeling it right Jeff, now. Jeff's given the They're not feeling the it right ghost, now. Man. He's done. He's done. <laughs> He's packing it in here on no December way. 4th. It's not happening. Forget <laughs> it. All right, we got to take a break here. More of your phone calls, though, when we come back. We're wide open here in this second hour, so we'll take more of your phone calls. Uh, Diane and Cheektawaga and Bob in Springville will lead us off, but open lines for you at 803-0550. What kind of Chiefs team are you expecting for the Bills on Sunday? Let us know here next on One Bills Live. ladies and germs it's chiefs week and as the team heads back to arrowhead we're giving away a signed Dion dawkins football enter today at buffalobills.com slash giveaway got to get back to the phones at 803-0550 as we're checking in with you to see what you think about the kind of chiefs team you're expecting on sunday when the Bills travel to Arrowhead to take on that Chiefs team that just lost to the Packers on Sunday night football. To the phones we go and to Diane in Cheektowaga next. What's up, Diane? Happy holidays, guys. Yeah, to you Thank as well. You. Well, I just called to wish Dawson Knox congratulations That's right. on his engagement. Yeah, got engaged over the bye week, so uh, using the time to his advantage. Congrats <laughs> to him and his uh, soon-to-be spouse so yeah, yeah congrats to them i really had to say but thanks for the, your time sure sure okay no problem <clears throat> glad you uh, wanted to pass along some well wishes there to bob in springville what's up bob bob are you there yes what do you got first bob you're on the air uh yeah i want steve to answer uh last night on the kansas city um, green bay game uh, when they called the penalty, uh, I didn't think Mahomes was out of bounds, and they still called the penalty. Yeah, roughing the pass right. or uh, unnecessary roughness, they called. Yeah, yeah, that was a little out of sorts. We thought so, too. Right, Steve? Yeah, it was absolutely not a penalty. He's still fighting for yards. He's not even out of bounds. No, he's not out of bounds. He's still fighting <clears throat> for yards. He had not given himself up and in I'll any say, way, shape, or form. I'll say this, right? yeah, it's close, but I'm disappointed the league doesn't have in place – the ability for the upstairs official, the observer, to say, "Hey, that's he was in bounds. Sorry, it's not a it's not a penalty." I'm I'm disappointed that that's not there, and they did couldn't make that happen. Pat's got to get out. He's yeah, got to get out of bounds. You can't absolve the quarterback of any and all it, responsibility, to, especially after he's declared himself as a runner. That's right. Which is what he did on that play. You can't. It's a bad call. Shouldn't have been made. And that's that's the way of it. I mean, there's no question about it. And I don't know how you can defend it. You can't. I mean, but that's why the league should say, hey, listen, if you, 
that observer upstairs, what happens is, and it came about about a, I don't know, maybe, what is it, 10 years ago maybe, Brownie? Not even. Where they've got an official observer up in the, up in the booth, and he expedites spots for them. They'll say, or he'll stop the game to review something. Say, hey, wait a minute, we need to take a look at this. Particularly all, and there's strict rules about what plays he can help with and not help with. Certainly spotting the ball, where the ball was, uh, past the line, before the line. He can just, he expedites it all, and he says, hey, pick that flag up, right? Yeah. Whatever. And he didn't do it in this situation, probably because it was against the rules, because there's no way anybody with two eyes could see that play and not know it was a clean play. It was clean as a whistle. The guy was trying to get the first down. It was right at the marker, and he's in bounds. And he's upright. He's not sliding. He's not doing no. any of that stuff. So that, to really, me, really, really bad is call. As and a, the, and a, that's as bad a call as there was all weekend. And not only that, nobody upstairs can signal down to fix it. You like, can't. That's why that's there. All it's all it took was that official from upstairs going, "Hey, you should pick that flag up." Yeah, that's it. You guys missed it. Pick, pick it, it up. up. And they don't. And they couldn't do that. So they got it wrong the first time and on review. And then, yeah, they couldn't, yeah. Obviously, they couldn't review it. That's one of the rules. It must be outside the realm of what is allowable for the upstairs observer to come down and say, hey, pick that flag up. But there you go. <clears throat> That's, yeah, you're right, Bob. Mm-hmm. That was a bad penalty. Bad Indeed. And I, Along with the non-pass interference call. Yeah, not point. that I was rooting for the Chiefs. It's, it's getting to the point where the league is so – the level of professionalism and elite play and the, the ins and outs of the game, the subtleties of the game are at such a high level that it's hard to officiate at that high level and certainly impossible to do it consistently across the board. It's getting to be where it's so difficult to call these games and get it right all the time – they can't. They don't. Well, yeah, and it's become a it's become an ongoing storyline throughout the season. And it's one thing when the consistency is lacking from one crew to another. You're dealing with a whole different set of humans, so to yeah, expect yeah. them to be officiated consistently is probably unrealistic. When you got eight people over here and eight people over there, and you know they, that kind that, of thing. Those so eight you, people travel that, together. These eight people travel so that, differently. They're all separate. That you can understand to a certain extent. But you've got crews in the same game that can't officially. I mean, do we need to go back to Week 12 in Philadelphia? First half, 10 penalties for Buffalo, one for Philadelphia? Like, I have not seen that kind of disparity ever in one half of a football game in my life, and I've been watching for over 25 years. Like, right. What what is going on there? Like, yeah, that was, is just egregious. Been, it, it has appeared egregious on multiple occasions across the league on every week. Not every weekend, but a lot of weekends. Yeah. And it's an, it's ongoing. And I think it's one of the things it used to be, you know, when I was a kid, you didn't have any – you had no recourse. You didn't even know if anybody else thought the way you did. Now with social media and the amount of analysts who are doing podcasts oh, yeah. in their own basement, opinion. I mean, they've – Everybody's got a public opinion. Everybody's got a public opinion that you can peruse and pick the ones you like. I mean, we all know that's the atmosphere we live in. And so the, the officials are trying to work in that, and man, oh, man, it's, it's gotten more and more impossible. Yeah. Forget about difficult. 
it's more and more I, impossible. I don't envy the job envy the job of the officials. I'll be the first to admit it's difficult. But somehow, some way the league's gotta find their way to more consistent officiating within a game. I understand it's gonna differ from crew to crew, but within a game, it's gotta be better. It, there's gotta be some like if you're gonna call the game tight, call it tight for sixty minutes for both sides. If you're gonna be if you're gonna let him play and not call as much, let all sides of the ball play on both teams. And I'll say this too, and because we it's fun and it's and it's low hanging fruit for us to pick, you know the the Pat Mahomes unnecessary roughness, and then try and counterbalance that with the lack of a of a pass interference call mm-hmm. on a hail mary at the end of that game. There's it goes back and forth. I'll say this, and trust me on this, because I know I've seen it firsthand, and I've heard conversations firsthand from high level officials in the NFL. They do not take it lightly. They do not. They do not take this line down. They do do not chalk this up as cost of doing business. Yeah. They take it really seriously. And they take pertinent and logical steps towards trying to fix it. And that includes full-time officials. It includes starting a feeder system and and with off-season classes and off-season activities, the whole thing. They go they attack it soup to nuts, officiating from the top to the bottom all the time. And even having done all that, the one problem, one of the challenges that continues to go is because our game evolves. And the one, they don't change the rules, but they change in what, and we've all heard it, points of emphasis where, okay, this year, guys, here's what we want. And they'll tell them to like, all right, we called that last year, we're not going to call it this year. Or we didn't call that last year, but because of this and this, we're going to start tallying that up we're going to call it so it's yeah it's really difficult and like i said it's it's getting more and more impossible to do it perfectly but don't think the league does not care and does not work on it because they do the the problem is when you get out there and you get these guys going and they're going a thousand miles per hour rather than in super slow motion like where they learn this stuff (laughs) i mean the, the the challenges or self-evident. I mean, it's impossible yeah. to get it right. So they, you know, they try and help these guys as much as they can, and sometimes they can, and then sometimes because of their desire to keep it on the field, they tie the hands of a guy who could fix it. Right. So, you know, we'll see. I think that we'll see more and more points where they're going to free guys up on the field. I. And I, I heard Dean Blandino say this as well, uh, the, you know, the guy, the officiating expert that worked for the NFL for a year and was brilliant. He's very good at what he does. I think he works for the USFL and XFL. Yes, now. he does. He's really good at officiating and, and overseeing all of it. He said this. He goes, now it's become so prevalent that he suspects that some of the officials in today's game are relying on replay. And they're hoping that replay will get them out of a tough call. So that has opened up that as a new challenge for the officiating crews. Don't dip, think that somebody else is going to get it right for you. So you think, you know, they throw the flag, and if nobody's there to challenge it or if, the team, if it's not a consequential enough play to challenge it and it's a bad call, you got to live with it and it goes on your record. Same thing. 
they don't want to call a penalty because they don't want to have it overturned, and that'll go against their thing. And they think replay will have a better shot at it, and they, they can't tell, so they just let it go and hope it gets, you know, comes out in the wash. So there's all kinds of challenges and two sides to this story, this, this coin that is officiating. And the league takes it incredibly seriously. Yeah. But the more, it seems like the more seriously they take it, the more impossible it becomes to get right. Let's get back to the phones and to Bill in Buffalo next. What do you got, Bill? Hey, guys. First-time caller, long-time watcher. Thanks I enjoy your it. show. Yeah, um, I was just wondering, like, how do you think the defense is going to stand up to the Chiefs, which obviously they have a high-powered offense, um, and just to see, like, what's your take on maybe getting a, a flag for the defensive side of the ball, like, okay, you can challenge a flag on the offensive side. Why can't you challenge a call on the defense for like a non, non-penalty or a penalty that should have been called? Yeah, you're never going to get them to flag. Um, and I'll say this too. My, you know, everybody, a lot of people know I have some experience in the CFL from watching my son play up there for um, seven years or so. We, I went to a ton of games. They have the ability up there to call a penalty with a challenge flag. You throw the flag and say, like they like you're a defensive you challenge anything. You're a defensive coordinator, and they you give up a touchdown to the far side. There was illegal man down the field over here. I want it called, and they'll throw the flag and they'll go back and look at it. If they got an angle of it. He's right. Touchdown comes off the board. You're back here now. It's third down instead of second and ten. It's now third and ten, and here you go. Um, so it's and plus the or or it's replay of second down and you got a five yard penalty that kind of whatever the penalty is so there is that available in other leagues and you can bet the nfl has looked at it i'll say this it has as many minuses as it does pluses um the game becomes a it becomes a workshop on management yeah (laughs) and it's it you want to talk about bringing the game to a grinding halt yeah. That does it. That's that's a dangerous rabbit hole to go. So down. it's and you know so it's being able to challenge anything, anytime, anywhere on the field. You bog your game down. It bogs the game down to a to an absolute crawl, and and nobody wants that. No, or they want to avoid it if they can. Break time for us here, but more of your phone calls when we come back. What kind of Chiefs team are you expecting for the Bills this Sunday after their loss to the Packers in Lambeau last night? Eight oh three oh five fifty. Your call's next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, asking you what kind of Chiefs team you're expecting for the Bills on Sunday after their Sunday night football loss at Lambeau to the Packers. And we go to Bob in Lancaster next. How are we doing there, Bob? Hey, very good. Uh, I love listening to you guys and uh, been calling in a little bit more these days. Like, it's interesting to talk to you. Thanks for doing and, it. Uh, without, without uh, again, beating into this uh, penalty situation too much, um, I want to just make one comment. And uh, it just seems that no matter what you do this year, there's going to be a lot of bad calls made and i think the trick is to stop 
self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the last loss that they had, if they didn't have the self-inflicted wounds, the bad calls would have not cost them the game. So this this time around, if they avoid that with the Chiefs, that would be a big improvement on uh, not having to worry about uh, losing the game because of penalties yeah. necessarily. I, I get um, what. Those, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Well, I just have a few points, and I like to <clears throat> hear a little bit about each one actually. Uh, and, and you know, lo- looking at uh, at the game um, last night, uh, moving the ball around um, seemed to be the the trick for Green Bay. Um, they weren't fixated on any particular receiver uh, or running game versus passing. They they m- m- mixed things up, and um, I think that put the Chiefs a little bit on their on their heels more than it might be if 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 they were a monolithic type of a, of an approach. Right. And um, looking at Mahomes, you know, in, in the last uh, drives. Uh, he threw the ball out of bounds and he couldn't find a good receiver. And I, I think they were playing one-on-one if I'm not mistaken at the end of that game. And um, I think there's an opportunity uh, to pick him off. I think Mahomes is uh, susceptible to that. Um, if, if our uh, defensive uh, backs keep an eye out for, for, for the, the way he's passing the ball. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to, to, to uh, ask if you had any of yeah. those same kinds of opinions. And and uh, going back one one game more, and then I'll I'll drop it. Is um, there's something to be learned from San Francisco and Philadelphia? I think um, you know the game started off and, and, and it looked like uh, I think San Francisco was was uh, getting shut down, and they made some adjustments, and they didn't lose any any momentum once they made those adjustments and, and they took over the game. So anyway. Yeah, uh, we'll try to go in reverse order here. Um, with regard to San Francisco, it it's no coincidence that the, when they were on a three-game losing streak, they did not have Debo Samuel in the lineup. Christian McCaffrey was in and out of the lineup. Um, and Brock Purdy was dinged. When, when Brock Purdy's in the lineup... Mm. When Christian McCaffrey's in the lineup, and when Debo Samuel's in the lineup, they're, they're sixteen un- and zero. They're unbeaten. They're sixteen and zero over the course of the last half a year, last year and this year. So it helps when you have your most talented players on the field. Something that the Bills have not had for much of this season. Matt Milano, Tre'Davious White, Daquan Jones. We've run down the list before. To your officiating point and self sabotage about the Bills, I totally get what you're saying. Um, yes, it is true that. If you don't sabotage yourself, the bad calls that are inevitably going to happen in the game don't exacerbate or amplify the problem. I agree with that 100%. Now, the Connor McGovern holding call in the Eagles game where he just puts his two hands on the back of a lineman that's falling down trying to rush the passer and he's just trying to make sure he stays down and you get called for offensive holding, that's a bunch of hogwash. But the 10-yard penalty kills you when you just had a false start before that and, you know, let's just say a bad exchange that you had to fall on for a loss of two. So now, instead of second and 15, you've got second and 25. I agree with you from that standpoint. Um, don't sabotage yourself to compound a bad call into something even worse. I agree with that. You want to yeah. address the other thing? No, that you're you right. I mean, this, the self-inflicted uh, penalties are 
self-evident, the, the ones that get you are the ones that happen that don't get called against you. And the ones that are made up that didn't happen and are still and are called because they the official thought he saw something. Those are the ones that crush you. And, you know, yes, as long as it's one, no problem. If it's eight and a half, that's that is a problem. Kansas City, Green Bay, the move. You're right. Um, Green Bay did a nice job spreading the wealth last night. Mm-hmm. They, they found a lot of different receivers. The Bills have started to do that of late with Joe Brady uh, calling the plays. Khalil Shakir starting to get throws. Gabe Davis has, has had a, finally had a game where we noticed him. And, of course, Diggs is always going to get his targets. And Kincaid is, continues to be the best rookie tight end in the league. Yeah. Um, so all of that gives him – and James Cook. So, and they're even finding uh, Latavius is getting a couple of targets. So the Bills are on that track. You're and right. And Ty Johnson that we're good at. And Ty Johnson is starting to run well. Uh, I like that guy. So that sets the Bills up under the premise of your statement, very well for this game. Right. And Green Bay, not for nothing, doesn't really have a true number one receiver in their receiving core. they got a lot of young guys that they're trying to bring along. Luke Musgrave, their top tight end, who's a rookie, was out of this game, and so too was Aaron Jones. So they had to kind of spread the wealth almost out of necessity to try to see who had a hot hand, who could make plays for them. Christian Watson had a nice game for them last night, but I don't know if people would definitively say he's the number one or Romeo Dobbs is the number one receiver. So they kind of had to spread it around due to lack of name players like Aaron Jones in the lineup. Got to take a break here, but when we come back, hour number three, we'll begin with my broadcast partner on the Bills Radio Network, one Eric Wood joins us as he does every Monday as we look ahead to Bills Chiefs here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number three here on a Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Coming off the bye week. And guy who doesn't get a bye week is uh, my broadcast partner, Eric Wood, who joins us here on Monday, even though there was no Bills game yesterday. Eric, hope you got a little R&R here on the little break here over the weekend. Uh, but I imagine you uh, watched a healthy amount of football nonetheless. I did. Now, uh, it was Sunday yesterday. There was a, a concert here in Kentucky that my wife wanted to go to. So we did dinner and a concert last night, but I caught back up on uh, the Chiefs game uh, against the Packers and dug into that Eagles 49er matchup that was fun to to track all the trash talking throughout the week, and which really started after the playoff game last year and led up to a really a beatdown by the 49ers over the Eagles. The Eagles had two really emotional games back-to-back and win, comeback wins over the Chiefs, over the Bills. Uh, I believe you said on the broadcast, Chris, that they had four comebacks in a row in the second half. And so 
you know, the magic kind of ran out for Philly last night, but still one heck of a ball club and some pretty good football yesterday. Yeah, and, and you look at that, you know, the Philly – uh, San Francisco matchup was, you know, deemed to be heavyweights, but San Francisco came in and they, they, I mean, they knew what we found out in Philly. I mean, without the ripple effects of what happened in the first half to the Bills with penalties and self-inflicted stuff, the Bills looked really appeared to control that game, particularly offensively. And the Niners came in and just absolutely beat them down. That to me is the Niners talking a lot of bunk coming in and leaving town with your lunch money. I mean, they they really did everything they could. That really took the shine off the Philadelphia season. I mean, not only yeah, – I mean, they're still, what? Ten and two. Ten and two. So there's not going any place except the playoffs. Yeah, but, but now man, Dallas oh is only a game behind them now. <clears throat> you, look at, you look at what that did to Philly's persona. Man, that is, they, they took a hit. Yeah, they did. And, you know, they beat Kansas City in Kansas City, and then the Bills had them on the ropes, let them off the hook. But, you know, two of the better teams in the AFC, you beat them in back-to-back weeks. And then, you know, likely the team that you're going to have to go through in order to get to Las Vegas to go to the Super Bowl, if you're the Eagles, is the 49ers. So that's kind of your litmus test. You're only going to play them one time this year. And there was a lot of buildup to that game. And and Kyle Shanahan uh, put together a nice game plan. They attacked uh, that Eagles defense in a lot of similar ways that we saw the Bills attack them on the ground, then use play action. You can expose that second level of the defense. I think probably the weakest part of that whole Eagles roster is their linebackers, and the Bills were able to attack the middle of the field against them. They were able to run the ball against them, and San Francisco really took advantage of it. They just didn't make the same mistakes. They didn't have the same penalties that the Bills had. They were a little better in the special teams game as well, and then you see them with a convincing victory as opposed to you know if the Bills could have gotten up three scores like they had the opportunity in that game in Philadelphia. Maybe it would have been a similar score instead we lose that game in overtime yeah uh chiefs packers last night sees the chiefs fall by a final of 27 to 19 to the packers at lambeau what did you like about what coach lafleur did against that chiefs defense because he seemed to step ahead of spagnolo for most of the night which you don't see often yeah you're exactly right i, I thought for the most part jordan love played within himself. They ran the ball well. A.J. Dillon, physical back, uh, took it to that uh, Chiefs defense, gave one of their linebackers a concussion uh, on that first drive of the game. And, you know, A.J. Dillon's been a tone setter this year, uh, playing really good football for him. But they used play action well and attacked that second level of the defense. um, and, And they were able to make some plays. But Jordan Love just didn't do too much. He, I believe, played turnover free football. And, you know, they played well. And then Uh, That Chiefs offense, I mean, kind of the story of this season has been now they have a top three defense in the league in Kansas City. But, you know, over the years of getting rid of Tyreek Hill and letting these guys in the skill positions go, you know, really they've left themselves with, you know, Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Travis Kelsey, maybe the best uh, tight end of all time. But then it's, you know, Rice on the outside and and Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore and, you know, just no real playmakers, true playmakers at the wide receiver position. Now, um, Rice looks like he could be a really nice player. They get the ball to him and a ton of screens and whatnot. Pacheco had another nice night. But to me, especially with Smith leaving the game at left tackle, they were really able to put some pressure on Mahomes uh, in the pocket, which will be a key for the Bills. Uh, Sunday as they go to Kansas City is being able to get 
pressure on Mahomes with a four-man rush because you don't want to dial up too many blitzes against them. He's been great against the blitz throughout his career, but especially if Smith plays, which we'll see, he left the game with a stinger, right shoulder stinger, their left tackle. But if he doesn't play, they were able to apply consistent pressure on Mahomes and really make it difficult on that offense throughout the game. And as you as we kind of roll into this game, this matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills, we've, you know, I mean, Bills fans, this is like a home game for Bills fans against the Chiefs. It's always in this stadium, in their stadium. So you feel some familiarity there. We've seen it. They're 2-2 two and two in that stadium in the regular season over the Josh Allen-Pat Mahomes rivalry. But these two teams are a little different this year. The Bills are a little different, and certainly the Chiefs seem a little different. How do you think this changes the matchup and what we're going to see on Sunday? Yeah, it is a different matchup, especially with the injuries on the defensive side of the football. You know, you, you look back to last year and Matt Milano made key plays in that regular season game. He won't be out there. Von Miller was healthy and he was a factor. And, you know, they're just there's there's different faces. But I, I do like where we've seen some emergence from some guys on the defensive side of the football. You got Terrell Bernard playing incredible ball at linebacker and then Dotson has you know, he, he's gotten experience as the years went on. Uh, he's playing better as a run defender. Hopefully this secondary for the Bills uh, after this bye week is able to get healthier. You have some uh, age and experience in that secondary that this late bye probably didn't do a whole lot of favors to them leading up into it, but should give them, you know, kind of a recharge for this final go down the stretch. And then up front, I've been so impressed uh, with Ed Oliver all year, and he's going to need to be a factor. If you can put pressure from that defensive tackle spot, we see it with Chris Jones on the other side of the ball for the Chiefs all the time. When you can apply pressure on quarterbacks from the inside out, which is what Ed Oliver's been doing a lot this season, part of the reason why A.J. Vanessa and Leonard Floyd have had such productive seasons as well. But Ed Oliver needs to be a factor in this game. That's why you draft him in the top 10 and reward him with a contract extension. He's played great all year, but he's going to have to be a factor. And then Offensively for the Bills, you know, with this Chiefs game and then moving forward in the final four games with the injuries on the defensive side of the football, they're just they're going to need to play dominant football, which they've done the last two weeks under Joe Brady. This offense has looked great. There's guys, uh, you know, two weeks ago, Shakir last week, it's Davis stepping up. We know Diggs is going to bring it each and every week. And Kincaid has emerged as that number two target in the past game. And I'm great with them rolling with them as the one two the rest of the year. And then kind of see game plan wise how you're going to get those other weapons involved. And then when I look at these last five games and, you know, it's going to be cold, maybe windy in Kansas City. You have an offensive line that's played really well all season and they're completely healthy up front. This has got to be a deal where the rest of the year we're going to stay fairly balanced and include James Cook in this. He goes over 100 yards from scrimmage the last three weeks. The offensive line is blocking well. James Cook has one of the highest yards before contact in the entire NFL. That's that's good scripting by Joe Brady and Aaron Cromer working that run game, but then also those big boys are opening up holes up front. And so to me, you know, you just you you got to be good. You got to be great offensively the rest of the season. And then you got to be cleaner on special teams, you know, just cleaner, not dominant on special teams. And look, all the injuries to the defensive side of the football, that affects special teams as well because it affects who's going to be out there. Maybe they're playing on defense as well as doing special teams and all that, but the penalties have got to, got to cut down in the special teams. If your bills are going to go four and one or five and oh down the stretch and, and get in the dance, you know, the special teams has got to be more consistent and just, and, and that includes the kicking game, which Martin and Bass have been so consistent over these last couple of years and and hopefully they can get back to to their normal ways 
here down this last stretch. You mentioned, you know, drawing it up and scheme and all of that stuff, Eric, coming off the bye and some undoubted self-scouting. You know, Sean McDermott in his tenure as head coach of the Bills is 6-0 and coming out of the bye. This is the first game after the bye on the road, though, in the McDermott era, which obviously makes it a little bit different, especially when that venue is Arrowhead. But what do you think is realistic for fans to expect in terms of wrinkles from the Bills with the extra time to prepare? You know, offensively, you kind of got a new scheme already with Joe Brady taking over and some different nuances with the motions and whatnot. I don't know how much different we're going to be able to tell because it already has kind of felt different these last couple weeks. On the defensive side of the football, you know, to me um, – you know, it's it's going to be the same similar schemes. I'm sure they went back and saw what hurt them at some of the ends of games, whether that was at times maybe being too passive, maybe at times being too aggressive. Uh, when you look at especially these next couple of weeks, and even if you include Herbert uh, following Dak and Mahomes, you know, defensively, it's going to really help you if your offense can score points and put a little pressure on the opponent's offense to, to keep the ball in the air, maybe be more one-dimensional in the pass game. And then those guys up front have got to win. You know, this it's this, this is the time of year where, you know, the, the teams that are emerging win on the offensive line and the defensive line. And, and this defensive line is talented enough. I mean, give me Rousseau, Epinesa, Oliver, and Floyd on pass downs. And, and I like that four man pass rush a, a lot at this point. I, I like it better than even some years in the past where the Bills have had a top three statistic de- defense at this point of the season. And so, you know, I, I don't know that it's necessarily a wrinkle, but you're identifying maybe some key guys now that you have a lot of confidence in, you know, moving down this final stretch. And, you know, in as they get healthier in the secondary, does it stay Benford and Douglas on the outside? I would imagine so. Does Dane Jackson get worked back in? Does is Taylor Rapper able to come back and they get into those dime packages as well? Uh, but when the Bills were healthy and healthier in the secondary and able to run that true dime package, I got I got pretty excited about you know seeing how that would work. You know, looking out even to this Kansas City game when they first put it in. So we got this this Bills team coming into Kansas City, and it seems to me, and you're probably the perfect guy to ask about this. Very quiet, I guess a little quietly. The Bills' offensive line, to me, have been playing at a high level. I mean, all throughout the season. Their running game seems to be clicking the way they want it to. Uh, Josh, he's always been hard to sack, but he's also been protected uh, in the pocket. I th- I just think the offensive line of the Bills have been playing at a really high level. And, I, I, and sometimes I don't know, because nobody's talking about them. Um, maybe that's the sign that I'm looking at that says they are playing well. What do you, what are your thoughts about the way they're playing and their strengths and weaknesses right now? Yeah, I sat down with, um, with a couple of former Bills O linemen and we hopped on my center on Buffalo podcast last week, shameless plug there. But, uh, we had about an hour long discussion that I can't get into all the ins and outs of it, but the way this, uh, Bills offensive line, one's been able to stay healthy. Uh, but they even have depth at this point with Bates and, and Andrews. Um, I like the young tackles as well. Like this is a, a very good offensive line and I've defended them for years and said, look, at times the Bills offensive line isn't going to look quite as good as others because of their rate of drop back passes and it allows teams to, to be able to tee off on them. But I feel like especially in these last couple games, but even throughout this season, they've stayed balanced enough in the run game to really help them out pass protection wise. 
And and I've just I've I've liked what I've seen from him. Deion, Deion Dawkins, the way he pulls from his left tackle spot is is remarkable. There's not a lot of guys in the league that can do it. We take it for granted because we've seen it for years from Deion. But and and I was texting with him last week and told him I hope he had a you know has a great bye week and gets recharged and all that. And I said, hey, and you're you're going next level on these pools right now. He said, dude, I'm loving it. I'm having so much fun with it. And you know, it kind of shows the personality of Dion. But then you have Spencer Brown at right tackle that I really feel like stepping into his own this year. He's using his size, his length really well on the edge. Um and I think part of it is he's he's healthy now. When you're when you're six foot eight and over 300 pounds of dealing with a bad back and you're not able to train consistently. It's it's tough out there. And then on the interior, Mitch Morris is having another really good season. Connor McGovern has been steady all year at left guard. I feel like we haven't talked about him, and that's generally a good thing. And then Osiris Torrance, even against the Eagles, he has a few rough plays in the game, but that's going to happen in rookie year. You're still learning up there. But I've really liked what I've seen from him and from a – size and strength standpoint, the way he can hold his ground in the pocket, that allows a little more flexibility for the tackles to be able to run those guys behind uh, behind the quarterback. And then also gives Josh Allen a place to step up to uh, knowing that he's got a 345 pound guard that's rarely moving back in the pocket. So I've been super impressed with them this season. And I think the combination of them and James Cook developing his vision um, and his patience and his timing has made uh, this run game something that teams have to take very seriously when you're playing against the Bills. I mean, this should show you a lot about the, what the Bills feel about the run game right now. They go on that long drive, uh, fourth quarter against Philadelphia, and I believe ran the ball. Maybe Josh scrambled on a run, so it wasn't a true – it wasn't actually a pass attempt. It ended up being a run. But they ran the ball about eight times in a row, including the Josh scramble. I mean, that shows you how confident they are in those big boys up front with the game on the line. Last one I've got for you, Eric, concerns the conference race. The Bills got some help yesterday with the Texans beating the Broncos. Browns and Steelers both lose as well to fall to 7-5. and five. Um, We know the Dolphins and Colts won, which obviously doesn't help, but you can't have a clean sweep, especially with a lot of these teams playing one another. Um, but I'm curious where you come down on this. I've kind of maintained with where the Bills are. The division is still the best route to the playoffs, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be a bad thing if the wild card becomes an option also. But with that three and five conference record, they they've got a lot of work to do. Certainly more than they would in the division. It would seem. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and so you have one against Miami still left. And if you can get that one, then you you pick up a full game there and you're still down, what, a game and a half to them? Because if you do push them, then you'd win the tiebreaker with two wins over them. But, you know, as, as I look at the wild card scenario with Kenny Pickett get injured now for Pittsburgh, Deshaun Watson's out for the season. Um, Indianapolis, I'm not sure if I can trust them or not yet. Houston, to me, um, it's about as fun as anyone to watch in the NFL right now. But, you know, does C.J. Stroud regress a little bit here towards the end of the season? You know, I think there's a lot of hope for the Bills if they're able to win four games here down the stretch and get to 10 wins that maybe some of those others that are in contention or even sitting in the wild card spots right now will kind of trickle out of the picture. Uh, Miami's remaining schedule, um, you know, they, they could – 
it's a week to week league in the NFL. You see each and every week you see upsets or what we perceive as upsets each week. But, you know, when you look at their games down the stretch, they have three tough ones at the end. But um, I don't see them losing to the Titans or Jets either these next two weeks. And then obviously at home against Dallas, they go on the road uh, to Baltimore. And then that uh, that week 18 one could be a whole lot of fun um, if the Bills are able to take care of business. All right, Eric, thanks as always for the insight. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you at the end of the week. Sounds good. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks, Eric. All right, that's Eric Wood, Bills Radio Color Analyst and also host of the Centered on Buffalo podcast uh, that he has each and every week. Uh, we got to get back to the phones at 803-0550, where some people have been waiting patiently. And we go to Jim in Lockport next. What do you got for us, Jim? You're on One Bills Live. Yeah, just talking about <clears throat> refereeing. And, uh, you know, it kind of related to uh, hockey, you know, or, you know, hockey, you watch hockey, and the, these refs, you see that they kind of, you know, they look at, uh, you know, hey, maybe this team's got three penalties. And a lot of times you watch some games and the penalties even up. But they don't kind of do that in, in, in football. And um, I don't know, it just kind of takes a fan. As a fan, it takes you out of the game. You watch these games and you know games going good then you see these calls are being made and you're like man it's kind of ridiculous but um another question i had too is um what's going on with Heinz and also um fournette are they going to ever put this guy in use or are they just going to keep him on the bench i appreciate your comments thanks yeah Bye. sure thing jim look i get it as much as you do when bad calls are made you feel like something's being taken from your team that you're rooting for that's why i say the the way I go into games is expecting bad calls by officials. And when I do that, I find that I can stomach them at least a little bit better. Um, so maybe that's a way to go because there are going to be bad calls every week. We've seen it. It's, it's permeating the league. The Bills weren't playing this week. We saw a lot of teams get hosed on some bad calls this week. It's happening to everybody. As for, you know, the – the other stuff that you're referencing with regard to Naheem Hines, he's out for the year. Um, he's not going to be playing this season. Simple as that. Uh, had an unfortunate jet skiing accident, which was not his fault, yeah. and he lost actually, a season of his career because of it. Yeah, he was he was fueling up his jet ski, I guess. Yeah, idling. <laughs> yeah, and somebody crashed into him. So at a high rate of speed. Yeah. I mean, he's lucky he's alive, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, it was it had nothing to do with him being irresponsible or anything like that. It was somebody else. So. A bad situation. Um, yeah, and <clears throat> and we've talked about Fournette. He's an insurance policy, essentially. That's right. And don't yeah, don't get into trying to equate NHL refereeing with NFL refereeing or NBA refereeing or anything. hockey kind of stands alone in the way they handle their ref- officiating. Uh, they'll even tell you've had you've had credible national reports and NF, NHL executives say, "Listen, some in, the the hockey refs are there to manage the game, not call the rules. They have game managers as referees. They manage it and try and get the game through it. And they don't even and they absolutely the league actually trumpets the fact that they expect officials." to call games differently in the third period and overtime than they do in the first period. Um, it's, it's a conversation that is open, and they just shrug their shoulders and move on with it. Um, the NFL is not that. And believe me, 
They will demote officials if they, they are rated they poorly enough. They do not. These, offic- these officials are paid to get. If you mess this last call up, there is no even Steven makeup call, anything like that. The next one, get it right, no matter what. That's their mentality. Uh, and I and I, and I go on here all the time, and I kind of stick up for the the policy or whatever. All, all I know is this. I know they really commit a lot of effort, a lot of resources, and they try to get it elevated as fast as the game has elevated. It's difficult. It's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. Um, but they do not take it seriously, and there's no, like, just sloughing off how important it is to the game and yeah. the integrity of the game. So that's – the NFL is – light years in a different path than the NHL. And I, I couldn't speak to the N- NBA. Back to the phones and to Scott in Williamsville next. What do you got for us, Scott? I just uh, have my answer to your question, then I just have a quick question of you guys. Sure. Um, as odd as it sounds, I almost, for the Bills record, I almost would have wished KC had won last night. It's just so hard to see them lose and then come back to Arrowhead. I think we're going to get their toughest game. And, you know, should Jacksonville should win tonight, they go to, I guess, nine and nine and three. And then so Casey's will be one game behind for the conference. But that's my question or my, my answer. And I just had a question given the horrific, um, audio and pictures and disgusting charge of a felony, do you think that Von Miller should be inactive for after being arrested for this week's game? That's uh, it's an interesting question about Vaughn. I don't know. It is, it's really distasteful. Um, we obviously don't want to talk about it too much here um, for obvious reasons. But, yeah, if, if something like that happens, you got to answer for it, and he will, depending on the time. The time frame is one thing. When it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, we don't know any of that. Yeah. So it's, it's – And it's little, not our decision to yeah, make, Yeah, it's a little irresponsible for me and Brownie to come in here and spew all these pontifications about what's happening with Vaughn when we don't really know anything. So that's that. As far as the Kansas City game coming in off a, off a loss, listen, we all said, hey, we're getting a break because Philly won the game before they played Buffalo. Now they're going to be complacent and stuff, and it, it didn't work that way. So I'm – yes, there's a little something in it, but maybe not as much as we think. Uh, Kansas City getting beat uh, just makes you maybe feel like more confident about your fact that you can re- replicate what the Green Bay Packers did to them. Yes, but – his point is well taken. The Chiefs have not lost back-to-back games this season. They have traded wins for losses, however, each of the last six weeks. So they're kind of suffering from something similar to what the Bills dealt with for about six, seven weeks themselves. So maybe they're in this stretch where they're in a little bit of a lull as well. And eventually the Bills did lose back-to-back games. So maybe that's where the Chiefs are at this point in time. Uh We'll have to see, and we'll find out when we get to Sunday. Got to take a break here. When we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll lead off with Anthony and Tanawanda when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we want to get right back to the phones here as we're checking in with you, see what kind of Chiefs team you're expecting for the Bills on Sunday after their Sunday night football loss to the Packers 
at Lambeau. And as promised, we lead off here with Anthony in Tonawanda. What do you got for us, Anthony? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Well, we're Good. hanging in there, man. Good. Yeah, me too. Me too. Monday Blues. Um, my, I got a couple points here that I want to make. Um, I, I've been listening for the past couple weeks on you know Monday mornings, Tuesday mornings, following the games and such. In my opinion, stats too, 3,200 yards Allen's thrown. Completed, I want to say, 336 passes, something along the lines of that. It's like 68% passing. I don't think his shoulder's an issue or anything like that. Um, I, and I feel like a lot of people are throwing a lot of shame onto Josh Allen and, and this team in, in general. The record obviously does not decipher um, offense to defense-wise. The defense does not deserve the record that they have now with all the injuries that have you know, kind of plagued the Bills uh, in itself. My, my two things are, I feel like we lost our identity. I mean, the Bills used to be a really good team stopping the run, Marshawn Lynch era. I mean, I feel like we have no identity. We can't stop a nosebleed. And as far as Kansas City goes, Isaiah Pacheco, or if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, the guy is an animal. He, he, he's going to tote the ball 15 to 20, 20 times this, this upcoming game. So with that, in, with that in mind, that's half the offense. I mean, with him himself, that's almost a whole quarter and a half of football, just him toting the ball, then getting set to the next, you know, for the next play. So with all this knowing that these teams are going to key on, and with the Bills itself, how are you going to stop the run? Because it seems like time and time again, we can't. And I, I just, I'm like, I kind of want your opinion as far as the run game for the Bills and. You know, is McDermott the, is the guy for us? I mean, we just got rid of our OC midseason, and I truly believe, in my opinion, you know, go back to the Greg Roman era, even though we fired our OC during that time, but we're not going to get rid of our head coach, too. So, if you mind uh, chiming in for me, guys, that'd be uh, appreciated. Take it easy. Yeah, yep. A lot of stuff there. <laughs> you want to start, Steve? Well, yeah, Lots you're right. The Bills are not the same run defense they've been in years past. They're ranked 20th against the run per game, 29th per play. Uh, they're in the top 10 in yards passing per game given up. Um, so there, there's something in there, no question. Um, I, I think most of the problems that the Bills have faced have, have like you said, been due to the injuries they sustained to some key spots and then a chronic inability to keep high level talent on the out on the edges on the field um you know they miss trey white they they miss benford when he's not in there uh they miss dane jackson when he's not in there um they have been struggling i think a little bit in man coverage of late and that puts them in a bind when you get up against teams that have got some guys on the edges that can really go. Um, it translates itself in a number of different ways depending on who you're playing with this run game stuff that you're talking about. But, yeah, Pacheco is a really good – Brownie and I have been talking about him the whole show. He's a really good running back, man. The guy runs hard and angry and gets yards that are coming to him. He runs every play like it's a two-point conversion with no time on the clock to win the game. He runs every play like that, and you got to tip your hat to him. So, yes, that is the challenge for the Buffalo Bills, to take him away and their entire run game away 
and put this back on Mahomes and what has to be considered the worst cast of characters around him he's ever played with. You give him a Travis Kelsey who is eight years older than when Mahomes started playing and you get a bunch of guys that, you know, a lot of it with Rice and Tony and, um, those, you know, those guys, there's some guys there that are not Tyreek Hill. And that's an uphill battle for the Chiefs that they haven't had to fight before. So um, the guys they have around Pat at the skill position, Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, are not as good as what they've had in the past, save Pacheco. And I'll just say that Buffalo's run defense over the last month has been pretty good. Um, it's been good for, I think you could argue, 14 quarters until the last two quarters against Philly when they had success in the second half. Buffalo had done a pretty nice job against the run. As a matter of fact, in the three games prior, the opponent didn't average more than three and a half yards of carry as a team. That's the Jets, the Broncos, and Cincinnati. Um, 3.5 against the Jets, 3.2 against Denver, 2.5 yards per carry against Joe Mixon and the Bengals. Um, so I, I don't think the run defense has been a major issue. It was in the second half against the Eagles. I don't think there's any debate about that. But it hasn't been a consistent problem. That doesn't mean they're going to walk into Kansas City and stone Isaiah Pacheco. But at least there's been some semblance of performance in that area by Buffalo's defensive front, and you certainly hope it will continue. Um, so I'm very curious to see what the Chiefs' approach is offensively, if they try to start it off with Pacheco and then try to diversify off that with their pass game, or if they go the other way. Because the Eagles tried to throw the ball at the beginning of the game against the Bills, and it did not work. Jalen Hurts looked as most uncomfortable as I've ever seen him at the quarterback position in an Eagles uniform. And then they went to the run game a little bit heavier in the second half and had some success there on a sloppy field. So uh, I'm curious to see what Andy Reid's approach is, knowing that his passing game has not been as productive as it has been in years past due to the cast of characters that Steve mentioned. So we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out in the early going. I mentioned it at the top of the show. I know he's been inactive most of the season, but Kyer Elam, if his ankle's good, I'd like to see him come off IR. Steve talked about how Buffalo's secondary has struggled in man coverage from time to time. I know Kyer Elam can do that. So if you want to have some man calls even on one side of the field and play zone on the other, maybe have Elam do that. I don't know. I'm just trying to find a role for a guy that I think can help your team right now when it hasn't been great uh, on the back end, and there have been big plays against you. So just something to think about going forward. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it in terms of what he was looking for for opinions there. So let's go to the tweet sheet. We haven't cracked that yet. And tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. What kind of Chiefs team do you think the Bills will be getting on Sunday at Arrowhead, Emily says, a gritty team who's eager for a win, especially after yesterday's loss to the Packers. However, I also think the Bills will be just as gritty and hungry for a win after what happened with the Eagles. Should be an interesting game. Yeah, it will be an interesting game. Yeah. Jeremy says, the same one we have played the last two regular seasons. If we stand a single chance at the postseason, we need them to be down and us to be up. 
I think what really goes into this, Steve, I think most fans of the Bills are expecting the Chiefs to be a charged-up bunch coming off a loss, especially at home. Makes sense. You got to weather, like, those first 10 minutes of regulation. You know, because you know that the Chiefs are going to come out a charged-up football team and all that. And so I think you've got to kind of weather that storm of, like, the first 10 minutes of the game when the crowd's into it, the team's charged up. If you can kind of get your way through that and you're not down on the scoreboard, maybe even ahead, that can kind of go a long way to kind of getting the crowd out of the game and eliminating early charged-up momentum and enthusiasm from your opponent on their home field. Yeah, you gotta you got to weather that early storm. Um, you, you'd like to get off to a faster start than perhaps the Bills have been able to in, in recent weeks. Um, you know, that, that is crucial. Uh, this Chiefs team is different than the animal you've been playing there over the last three or four years with these two playoff teams going after you got to recognize those differences be ready for them and and rise up to meet them it's a different it's a new challenge and this is a game in in my opinion you got to have you got to have it um you can't ha- you can't go into week 14 of the regular season with a losing record and expect it to be the kind of season you are now it's all in front of you and i still believe this team is is really really tough to beat no question it always has been but man, oh man, this is a game you got to have, and it's hard to say that going into Kansas City with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey waiting on you. Rick on the tweet sheet mentioned something we talked about earlier: Chiefs haven't lost back-to-back games since 2021 in weeks two and three, and before that, did not lose back-to-back games since 2019 in weeks five and six. It is 2023, and they haven't lost back-to-back yet, so they are due. So Rick thinks they're due for back-to-back <laughs> losses yeah, because it doesn't okay. happen much. All right. I, I'll buy it for a dollar if it helps the Bills win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Steve on the tweet sheet says, I am sure we will get their A game because everyone seems to bring it against the Bills. The Bills will just need to bring their A-plus game. David on the tweet sheet says, The same Chiefs team we've seen all season with a little worse defense due to injuries. If the Bills play like they did in Philly – they should win pretty easy. Well, minus the self-sabotage um, with penalties and yeah. stuff. I mean, it's getting to the point where you, I, I can't wait to see who the officiating crew is going to be. Oy, oy, oy. You know? can't wait or you yeah, don't want to look? I, 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 I got to <laughs> know. I don't want to look. I got to know. Um, the injuries are a factor here now, Steve. You got Brian Cook. They're starting free safety with a lower leg injury. They said x-rays came back negative. He did not break his ankle. Got carted off last night. Their starting middle linebacker, who is already in for Nick Bolton, who's out, who's been out with wrist surgery, Drew Tranquil goes out with a concussion. He'll be in the protocol this week. We'll have to see what happens there. And then their left tackle, Donovan Smith, goes out of the game. His arm was getting numb, and then he could feel it again, and then it was numb again. He had to come out of the game. And they had a backup left tackle in there, and Preston Smith was eating on the pass rush for the, right. for the Packers last night after that happened. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to bear some watching for sure. Matthew on the tweet sheet says, going to see a motivated Chiefs team. They want the one seed and need all the wins they can get. The offense doesn't look as formidable as it once was, but that defense could be a problem. Yeah, the defense is the strength of the Chiefs now, despite what you might believe. 
which is an interesting 180 that I don't know if anybody expected. Yeah, they well, give them some credit. They they've they've changed their spots and they're still um, racking up wins. Yeah, uh, despite what happened last That's night because they got number 15 back there. Got to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, an interesting development at a court at the quarterback position for another AFC East team. What does it mean going forward? We'll discuss when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, so we told you there was quarterback news in the AFC East. And no, it's not the Patriots who started Bailey Zappi and got shut out yesterday 6-0. It's the Jets. Uh, Diana Rossini from The Athletic reported this first. She said the Jets want to make a switch at quarterback. Tim Boyle has started a quarterback each of the last two games with horrific results. Uh, The team is leaning towards Zach Wilson to take over again as the starting quarterback, but he is reluctant to step back in, according to her sources. The team is discussing next steps. I am just going to say here, Steve, that if that report is accurate, Zach Wilson's NFL career is officially over today. No team is going to take that guy on if when he's asked to go back in the starting lineup says, no, I'm good. Um. How can you expect that guy to be a competitor for you? I'll say this. It depends on his story. You got a question. I, I, I'm never going to say no. There's, there's always going to be a team that's going to give the guy a shot, I'm, believe me. But you're right. Uh, in New York, that's got to be true. If he doesn't want the ball, he can't be on your team, period. Um, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have his reasons for saying maybe he's not 100% healthy, maybe he's just not ready. Maybe he says, listen, you already benched me once. Forget it. You can, I'm going to take my ball and go home, whatever. I don't know how he feels like he's got the cachet to say that to an NFL team, but he do, he could he could say, "Listen, I I gave you the best I could. Now what? You know, now you want me to come back in and gather this up behind that offensive line and this coaching staff? Forget it. You can cut me. I'm going to go someplace else and play where they actually know how to play a quarterback and coach a quarterback. That kind of stuff could happen, and then it's different. But if he doesn't want to play for your team, he should not get a paycheck. I mean, that's just it. He should be out the door. Now there's money. I got all the guaranteed. His salary is guaranteed because he's a first-round pick. That's it. But he should not be on your team under any circumstances no. if he didn't want to play. And you're giving him the starting quarterback role. The other, good, the other interesting news is free agent linebacker Shaq Leonard, who was released by the Colts, has agreed to terms with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now what makes this interesting is he visited two teams – the Eagles and the Cowboys. He chooses the Eagles, who are playing the Cowboys in Dallas this weekend. Now, here we go. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 with more Bills Chiefs talk for you.